Hi, this is writer Jeff Parker. <clears throat> coming from the Emerald City Comic Show where Jefferson has tracked me down to implore you to listen to bullpen bulletins. And I won't lie to you, he's got a gun to my head. Uh, I don't know if it's a fake gun or what, but I'm just, you know, listen to it. Yeah, just let till he gets out of my face. And uh, it's a great show. And uh, buy all my comic books. Thanks a lot. The Rhodesian Nationalist leader, Bishop Abel Muzarewa, has accepted Mr. Smith's offer to negotiate an internal settlement based on one man, one vote. But, he says, there are conditions. These include stopping the execution of all captured prisoners of war, allowing guerrillas to take part in negotiations, and being arrested. In Australia, Mr. Kerry Packer's cricketers are still pleased about yesterday's high court decision, which lifts the ban on them playing in test matches and counting. This is the voice of Allah, representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command, speaking to you. For many years you have seen us as knights in the service. We speak to you now, you say this thing as we have done to your brothers and sisters all over this, your planet Earth. We come to warn you of the destiny of your race and your world so that you may communicate to your fellow beings the course you must take to avoid the disaster which threatens your world and the beings on other worlds around you. Speak a little louder. This is in order that you may share a great awakening as the planet passes into the new age of Aquarius. The new age can be a time of great peace and evolution for your race, but only your rulers are made of and can overshadow their judgments. Be still now, and listen, or your jobs may not come again. All your weapons of evil must be removed. The time for conflict is now past, and the race of which you are a part may proceed to the higher stages of its evolution, if you show yourselves worthy to do this. You have but a short time to learn to live together in peace and goodwill. Small groups all over the planet are learning this, and exist to pass on the light of the dawning new age to you all. You are free to accept the rejection Many go as wide as this. Then they run out. Here now, the voice of Rilong, representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command, speaking to you. Be aware also that there are many false habits and guides at present operating on your world. They will suck your energy from you, the energy you call money, and will put it to evil ends, giving you worthless costs in return. But your divine self will protect you from this. You must learn to be sensitive to the voice of him that can tell you what is true and his They're out of this world. Learn to listen to the voice of truth. It's such a thing. This is our message. I really appreciate the that we can't finish. I insist. 
understand that viewers in some parts of the region are receiving a breakthrough in sound. We're sorry about this and we're doing our best to rectify the fault. Finally back home, engineers are trying to trace the source of what they call a rogue transmission, which lasted about six minutes during ITN's early evening news bulletin. It affected viewers in the Berkshire and Hampshire areas served by the Hannington transmitter. They heard a voice which cut across what I was reading. The voice said, Earthlings, Lay down your arms. This is a message from outer space. Well, thousands of viewers later phoned Salon Television, the police, and ITN here. A spokesman for the Independent Broadcasting Authority said, this is the first incident of its kind in Britain. Winchester Police said some people were frightened by the hoax message. They said they sent an officer to calm down one woman. Well, I hope nothing's interrupted this bulletin wherever you are this evening. From all of us here, good night.
Independent Radio News at 12, David Geary. The Independent Broadcasting Authority is at a loss to explain the mysterious message that broke into a southern television news broadcast. The slow, deep voice proclaimed, in part, all your weapons of evil must be destroyed, you only have a short time to learn to live in peace. The station was immediately besieged by worried telephone callers demanding an explanation, but as the information officer for the Broadcasting Authority, John Guinery, says, there could be several different causes of the message. Well, we don't, we don't know for sure that it was a pirate call. We know that there were some voices over saying certain things of which we haven't got an exact record. Uh, we've had a lot of accounts, obviously. A lot of people have been phoning us and, uh, and other people about it. We simply don't know what it was. Um, broadcasts, of course, are monitored at, a, at an operation centre, but there there was simply a mumble and uh, there was some picture distortion. Uh, we've had a lot of reports in, but as I say, we, we simply don't know what it was. Independent Radio News, it's three minutes past twelve. Okay, out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw her bald-headed. Well, if there's anybody left after that intro... You are listening to the Bullpen Bulletins podcast, a celebration of all things Marvel. And as always, I'm Vince B. I'm still David Price. And we have two guests in the old studio with us tonight. From the West Coast, we have Jefferson Workman. Woohoo! Hello. Hey, Jefferson. It's nice to be back. Freshly back from the Emerald City Comic Con. <laughs> yes. That's, that's exactly why we pulled Jefferson in, but we'll get to that, David. And in the other corner, we have the straw that stirs that delicious, intoxicating, and somewhat fattening around comics drink. It's Mr. Tom Caters. I don't even know how to describe that intro. <laughs> as long as you loved it. I, Actually, I, feel, I feel strongly, but I can't get into specifics. <laughs> I, I wonder why. The uh, I'm, I'm never mind the intro. I'm very happy if people are just back after our meandering last five minutes of last week's episode. Well, I hope they got used to it because that's how they're all going to be from now on. <laughs> you laugh. They wow. are. I had a lot of fun with Dan and. Uh, Chris, yeah, well, I was getting there. I'm just helping you along, buddy. <laughs> and I think that's the way it should be, just loose and full of juice and laying it all out on comics, and it was just too, a lot of fun. So you said I, juice. I, I said a lot of juice. But there's a reason why loose. Jefferson is here. <laughs> that's because he attended the Emerald City Comic Con. Get out. And he's going to be telling us about his experiences and... To mesh with the theme there, the awesome sauce himself, Pat Loika, sent us a shitload of interviews Whoa. to dump it. We have he interviews. He is the awesome sauce. He is. He got Brian Bendis, Phil Hester, 
Andy Parks. Andy Parks, which I'm just going to drool over because you know, Andy. Andy's got you know that he's he's what what he's oh he's an inker. You know what? But a lot of people tend to fucking forget when they talk and about artists and penciler's. And Mark Bagley, cutting your ass off because everybody's notice? heard that a million times. <laughs> oh, let's talk about Ramita some more then. <laughs> Mark Bagley. When was the last time you heard an interview with Mark Bagley? Um, I the twelfth of never. Right, and he also sent us an hour long audio clip of the Marvel panel, which had Ed, Ed Brubaker and a bunch of guys on there, but I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Pat was nice enough to send us these clips and give us full permission to use them. I'm not going to use the cherry on top of that cake. So if you want to hear that hour-long Marvel panel, you're going to have to seek out the Rcast, download it, because it's worth it, and listen to it from the source. So oh, you get, God. hey, you get a little <laughs> bit of a appetizer with us, which actually amounts to probably 45 minutes or more and then you can go to pat's site download the rcast and listen to everything in one shot and it is good and i'll tell you usually when people send audio clips they're a mess the levels are all over the place these sound really really good i didn't really have to i didn't have to touch them at all which is cool hey that's the name of the game so thank you pat and uh, i hope everyone enjoys those but well speaking of the rcast real quick hopefully people got a chance to um Give a listen to the Rcast, their sixth episode, yeah. because we were part of that, or we were part of a quarter of one of them. <laughs> they, they released four different versions of episode six. If you want to listen to more Vince, check out uh, episode six oh, D. Gimmick. <laughs> It'll <laughs> never last. Cut. Were you on the? No. Were you like on the foil covered? Uh, <laughs> issue foil, foil die cut and holographic and uncensored bag. yeah we were on the extra turgid episode where we, we <laughs> talked about male genitalia and their and their size uh, you know all in fun well you know Vin, Vince works with his strengths you know he really talks about what he knows yeah really stretching <laughs> yourselves <laughs> <laughs> unstable molecules I I will reiterate what I said last episode. You guys are dicks. Um, (laughs) I don't know what you mean. (laughs) But, yeah, it was a lot of fun to do that. And once again, jump over to the R-Cast. David, what's the link? Uh, That would be, actually, if you go to dialrstudios.com, there are links to their forum, to the R-Cast, and to all the different creators that make up the R-Cast studio. There you go. And if you have a comment about what you're about to hear, I'm sure there will be many of those, you can always jump on our forum at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or you can email David and myself at vince at or david at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com and let us have it. Hit us with your best shot. We love... I'll stir the pot. I hate everyone on the forum. There you go. As Jeff- you should. He's pro- he's such a bullshitter. Jefferson's probably one of the nicest guys on our forum. Always, always funny. Always relevant. And you know, I knew I loved you from the moment I saw that photo with the Captain America mask on. <laughs> I- yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> As are we. So, did, did, did you wear that last weekend? <laughs> well, I put I it know. on just for a sink to find me, but uh, I never found that bastard. <sighs> 
Yeah, but see, Cinch likes to look below the waist, so well, you probably didn't have it there unless it was a Saturday night. <laughs> so. As you can tell, it's going to be sort of like the Charlie Rose of comic book forums. <laughs> it's very serious, very dry. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you On know, top. <laughs> let, let's talk about the thread that was newly started called Just Bill's Enema Adventures Pictorama oh, Thread. Geez. Just a prima donna. <laughs> Look at me. I want attention. Hey, Bill's a good guy. When he's sleeping. Nah, Bill's a great guy. I like Bill. But anyway, let's, let's get on topic here for a, a second or two. As we have done for a couple consecutive months, we are going to go into the Marvel previews catalog. We've missed it. I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't think you can use the term consecutive. I mean, well, the last one was, what, <laughs> December? I mean, it's been a while. Right. But when I are mean, you announcing your 100th episode? Oh, Jesus. Dude, <laughs> that, that, can we come out the with party? some sort of schedule first? <laughs> Our one hundred. If if we stick to the schedule we're on you guys now, will our, die on the hundredth episode. That's how long it's going to take. It'll, it'll be New York Comic Con two thousand eight. That'll be our one hundredth episode. Oh, I, I think you're being you're being generous. It'll probably be two thousand nine. But we used to go through the previews every month, and we got away from it for a little while for whatever reasons. But there's a damn good reason to start up again with this previews because, as I talked to David about, there are two really really big things in this previews that pissed me off to no end and i'm sure we're going to get to them and talk about them but before we do that let's hear from jefferson workman how was the con oh it was pretty cool it's only the only the second comic uh, convention i've ever attended so uh i don't know uh, like uh, i was talking to pat uh, that weekend and he said it was intimate <laughs> so that's the feeling i'm getting <laughs> uh but uh, so you know, many, just a, how many creators did you sleep with then? <laughs> well, there was a lot of grab assing going on. Hey, nice. <laughs> just get a get a piece of Bendis. Ooh, nice and smooth and and f- freshly shorn. But I mean, from the photos that I saw, it looked like everybody was having a hell of a time. Oh, uh, it was packed. Yeah, it was packed. It was it was it was a good show. Just the amount of creators that they had there. Uh, this was awesome, and I got to meet, and I got to meet Jeff Parker, which w- he's one of my favorites. So, very cool. And give a little talk to him. Somebody got a Howard the Duck sketch <laughs> yes, by Derek the that. Man Robertson. That was <laughs> great. Oh, it, I love that thing. That is that gorgeous. was. In, they uh, asked for what uh, people wanted to see, and uh, so I yelled out Howard the Duck, and uh, I heard someone up on the panel go, "I got it," and I didn't know which one. Took the took the challenge of drawing him, but uh, when they showed that piece, which I was really incredible because it's so good, it was one of the best ones out of that duel, and like no one was bidding on it. Oh. I couldn't believe it because <laughs> I got it. I got it for a steal. I mean, you know, I got it for 150 bucks. Wow! And uh, you now know, that, there that, were p- that's that's not only original Derek Robertson art, but it goes to a good cause. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Comic book. Uh, Legal Defense Fund. Right. Well, if they stopped yeah. getting sued all the time, they wouldn't need a Legal Defense Fund. You know, fund. they stopped just making comics like nice and, and clean and like like Superman from the 60s, you know. If they would just not even credit them, the creators, they wouldn't even... That's right. Sued. That's true. See, there you go. That's all the problems. People would just stop drawing Pablo Picasso nude. Uh, <laughs> so what? And sneaking it into the hands of children. <laughs> So what did you come home with um, in addition to that? Did you buy any comics? 
No, man, I don't usually... I just usually go there just to meet the creators so and get sketches. And, just and to be made into uh, Michael Loming's bitch. <laughs> yes. That was... Oh, you know what? He, I, had a, I, had a, I had to arm wrestle him with my left arm instead of my right because I was going to like go over the top on his ass. And, uh... <laughs> but you didn't have a son to fight for? That, <laughs> yes. That's usually David's approach. He gets on your ass from the back and the top. I like, I like the picture. You get the I, like the, around. I like the picture of him owning you and then like Bendis in the background. Oh, yeah. I just, like... hearing, oh, ben, Bendis was like saying, Bendis was t- telling Oming, you've got to have the arm wrestling here at the table because they were going to do it at the Heroes Initiative booth and Bendis was just throwing his weight around. No, you got to do it here. I got to watch this. And then, and then Bendis just proceeded to laugh at everyone who lost. <sighs> was Bendis doing some arm wrestling, or was he no, just... See, no, there you no, go. No, because he's, he's, he's got to type. He's got to keep his arm... <laughs> Meanwhile, you got the damn artist putting his neck on the line, but not Bendis, no, i gotta, I got to type stuff, so, you know, I can't hurt myself. <laughs> Did, were you witness to Cinch's um, now infamous paying for the sketch with the oh, roller quarters. God. No, I wasn't, but I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he thought that was all right to do. I can't believe he walked around like but then when he said well if the guy said no I would have paid cash for it. Why are you walking around with ten dollars and change and ten dollars in money? Like what is it some sort of like practical joke? No, it's, <laughs> it's natural male enhancement. <laughs> I am here with uh, Mr. Brian Michael Bendis, writer of uh, New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, uh, co-writer of New Avengers, Illuminati, co-creator of Powers. Inventor uh, of the automobile. Yes, and uh, the spaceship. Marshmallow Fluff. <laughs> How are you doing today, sir? Very good. Um, so you write all these titles with a lot of uh, characters, huge cast of characters. How are you able to keep everyone straight? And uh, what? how do you approach writing these books? Because everything seems to be thematically different. It mostly involves a sugar high, the likes of which man has never seen. <laughs> yeah. Alex Maliva is right off the microphone rubbing his own nipples. That's what's happening right now. But that's not the question you asked me. Uh, honestly, you know, it's, it's uh, I'm a, I'm I'm a, a student of the filmmaker Robert Altman, who did this massive storylines with you know 100 speaking parts. Sometimes they're all speaking at the same time, and and I just studied his work and his philosophies and stuff, and I tried to apply it to comics. I know that's weird to hear that you're applying like Robert Altman to the Avengers, but that really is what I do. And um, I, and I you know I, I go through the script. Sometimes I go through the script in, from Luke Cage's mindset, and then I look through the same script from Spider-Man's mindset and Wolverine's mindset, and get state in their voice and then they do it as a group so it works out okay you know it's it's, it's a good you know you know, I just, I just try to look at it from all other points of view. Okay. And also for the Avengers, um, I have a philosophy where uh, I try to make the reader part of the group. Like, we actually direct it so you're like, with the teams gathering, you're not watching it from afar. You're mm-hmm. actually in the middle of the group. Mm-hmm. So the, the reader is actually an Avenger mm-hmm. during the book. Mm-hmm. So That's a very cool way to, think, uh, to uh, approach it. I never even thought of it that way when, you know, when I read the Avengers books. Yeah, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like subliminal, but the art director to the artist is, Listen, they're huddled. Mm-hmm. You're you're literally right there. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We're, we're rarely like high looking down at uh-huh. them. We're always like involved. Uh-huh. And 
even when I started on it with the disassembled, mm -hmm. that was the first time it had been done. And what I did was I put you really the first scene is you're at the table with the uh -huh. Avengers uh -huh. eating lunch. Uh -huh. You're actually sitting in a seat. Uh -huh. and then I blow the shit up, and now you're stuck in their hell. Uh -huh. So that's why people were reacting sometimes so strongly to uh -huh. ah, this is horrible. I may I put you in it, you know. Uh -huh. So yeah, very cool. Uh, Besides, uh, besides the writing, uh, I've seen that you've done some sketches recently while you were in Italy, and they turned out to be really good. Will we be see, will we see you, uh, you know, on uh, art on any books, like any of your own creative own stuff, possibly? Well, I, I draw all the time, mm -hmm. but um, um, a lot of it no one ever sees. It's just uh, you know stuff. But I'm doing like covers for Powers and stuff like that. But um, you know what? I, I, and I'm not just saying this to be coy. I do work with the best artists that work in mainstream mm -hmm. comics in this generation. I mean, these are the guys and will be remembered as the greats of this uh, time. Mm -hmm. so Malib, Cho, you, Mac, you know, it, it, Malib, it just, these are the best guys. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to like sit down and go, oh, I'll draw something mm -hmm. that'll be half as good as Alex's. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Alex, I got Alex to draw it, you uh -huh. know, so that, so that really is what, what holds it up. But there are certain stories that I have written mm -hmm. that uh, I want to draw. They have to be me that'll mm -hmm. draw it. So I'll, those, those will come when I get a chance to do it. But right now, this won't last forever. I get to work with the, the best artists in the world. All right. And uh, you mentioned uh, you know you're working with the best artists in the world. Which uh, what are your uh, what would you like to promote? Um, well, we're announcing today that um, after Cho takes his break on Mighty Avengers, uh, after issue six, issue seven, uh, Mark Bagley's going right from Ultimate Spider-Man into Mighty Avengers. So he'll be doing the second arc of Mighty Avengers. And uh, me and Alex are working on Halo right now. And uh, Powers, we're changing formats on Powers. We announced yesterday it's going to be uh, 40 pages an issue with more story and better paper and a nicer cover. And um, and so it's going to have like a new kind of look to it. Very cool. And uh, I could plug. I could plug. Yeah, and you yeah, plug of course. You you're the master. <laughs> and of course, there's still New Avengers with Lionel Yu. Avengers, Neil Yu, and Mighty Avengers of Frank Cho, uh, both of which uh, I did really great. I post the Silver War. Uh -huh. And Mark Bagley's wife is doing not nice things to my cows. And uh, <laughs> I'm being attacked, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Someone should stop this. Anyway, so... Uh, and, and as the, all those books continue on, mm -hmm. uh, you'll discover that really it's one big Avengers book from two different perspectives mm -hmm. that is coming out like bi-monthly. Uh -huh. That it's the same story being told, and they're headed towards each other in a big way. All right, we actually kind of saw a glimpse of that in the recent New Avengers issue. Exactly. Well, thank you for your time, Ryan. And uh, thank you, you know? Pat Loikia, yeah. uh -huh. and thank you for uh, illegally bootlegging a movie for me and giving it to me. <laughs> I don't think uh, people should be hearing that. Uh, thank you, and uh, you can catch Brian over at JinxWorld.com and, and join. Yeah, Pat's there more than me, so that's you know. Really, he's plugging himself. He wants <laughs> come see Pat at JinxWorld.com. Uh, I'm barely there now. So. Oh please. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Uh, now, Cinch is a great guy, and I'm really trying hard to get him on here. No, he is. He's, he's he's a good sport. Even even if he buys comic books that you can't read or touch. He's yeah. a really nice guy, according to the form. I know Cinch for a lot of, lot of years, and the guy's got a heart of gold. He, he you may... know what's funny? Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. You're I the star. Say, uh, <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of a CGC because they, they've come out with a thing now where if you buy it, they won't even send it to you. They keep it, and you can't read it and, and, or open it. This is, that, that makes it completely safe. 
It's very yeah. secure. It's a great transaction. I just spent $5,000 on the death of Superman, and I'll never look at it. I've got this picture of it where it's located in the vault. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, and a lot number. What does that mean? It's, it's not too far from the truth. Oh, man. So shall we jump into the previews? Sure. I'm going to oh. grab some more wine, so okay. if you ask me a question in the next 30 seconds, I won't answer. All right. Well, let's get this out of the way first. David and I were talking about this earlier in the week, and on the surface, this looks like an average issue of previews. But there are two little uh, surprising increases in cover price that, I'll be honest with you, they're very scary. Powers has been increased to three ninety nine under the um, explanation that they're adding pages right. to fit this certain storyline. Okay. And Criminal has been raised to 350 without a page increase. Now, I can... Okay. And, and actually, never mind you and I talking about it earlier in the week, we were even bringing this up in episode 24 with Chris and Dan. We were talking about trades and the price of comic books and things like that, so... This seems to, I mean, it's its a natural, it, it's a theme that makes sense for us because, you know, we buy these. So we need to make sure that, you know, we were talking about last week, you know, I walk in with 30 bucks in a comic shop, I can only buy 10 bucks. Now that comics are coming up in price, well, now how many am I going to leave with? And you and I both know Criminal doesn't have any ads in it. So right. I can understand the price increase to that. But if some guy just coming in off the street, Sees that as three fifty, he may not, he or she may not realize there are no ads. He or she may not even realize that comics have ads. He, he'll he'll read that, and it may be the best thing in the world he read, and and it's criminal, so it's damn close. But if he also buys an issue of Uncanny X Men or Ultimate Spider Man, and say, okay, well, you know, he may not realize that it was two ninety nine, but the ads may not face him or her either. So, I, I'm. I can I definitely know where you're going with the you know raising the price, but with criminal, I can kind of see it since it has no ads. Yeah, but that's not the consumer's fault that there's no ads in the book. Oh no, you're right, you're right, and, and so so that means what? So they've been eating it for the past five months, then six months because it's I I doubt it's been that. Two ninety nine. But the thing that frightens me about the increase, not so much in powers, but in in, in criminal, to three fifty is that if the trend spills over into the mainstream Marvel books and they raise the price to 350 which I haven't heard anything, but when you see increases on the small selling books, you can be pretty much assured that it's going to happen to the rest of the line within, say, six to eight months. If Marvel raises the prices to 350 a pop, that's going to kill the comic book industry. I, and, you know, you may say, oh, you know, call me Chicken Little, but I don't see the average consumer paying three fifty for a 32-page comic book. I, I think it's kind of like with the whole raising the price issue. It's I think comics, in a general sense, sort of chases its own tail a lot. Right. You, you know, you look at anything, they, they have a tendency to see sort of short-term gains. You know, you look at how books sell, you know, every book loses readers from month to month. So how do you gain readers? You put on a new creative team or you, you know, change things up. Instead of like looking over the long term, it's always a matter of how can we get the next issue to sell more, how can we maximize profit for the next 
you know, two or three months. You know, you raise it 350 and maybe it works for a little while, but, I mean, I, I know everyone lately has been really gun ho about how awesome comics have been selling, but, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons also to think that raising the price isn't going to be the greatest thing, you know. Right. Just because a couple books sell a lot. Look at the bottom part of those charts. Look at some of the books Marvel's putting out that are really good, like <clears throat> Ant-Man, that don't sell anything. You right. know, and that is a quality book. Now, <laughs> I, got, I got numbers, so I got facts and figures. Yeah. I did a little bit of research into this, and it's really scary because the next eight months, I think, are the most crucial time for modern comics, and it all is based on the decision Dan Buckley and Joe Casada make if they are, in fact, the ones that decide to raise the cover price, if they're the ones that put the thumbprint on the uh, proposal and they red light it and everything. They either have the opportunity to save the comic book industry or destroy it, and it depends on their choices. If they toe the line and continue the same old, same old, Let's increase the prices because, gosh darn it, you know, paper is expensive and we have to sell these things. That is going to be, you might as well start playing taps now because, like I said, 350 is not going to float. Because, number one, the direct market was the single worst thing to ever happen to comics. I, I, I firmly believe that when Diamond entered the picture in Capital City and they said, we are going to ship these things directly to stores that only sell comic books that was that kneecapped the entire comic book industry because you have to make an effort to go to these specialty shops to pick up these books it's you, you can't find them in malls and grocery stores and gas stations and glory holes you have to go to the comic book store which let's where did you buy your comics from? uh you know they're not mint <laughs> he bought them where he was. but they're cheaper and um I look at a comic book store like a speakeasy in the in the 30s. You almost have to have a special knock to get in, you know, the little secret knock, because they're ghettoized. They're pushed to the side. So that's one stumbling block that the consumer has to overcome. And, and 350 a pop is outrageous for these things. But if Joe Q and Dan decide to pull a Steve Jobs, now Steve Jobs was a rare individual who looked at his business and said, you know what, it's not working the way we used to do business. We have to switch it up, change things, and revolutionize our industry. And what did he do? You know, he, he didn't look at it from the computing side. He looked at it from the music side. Let's sell music players. And holy shit, he turned the company around. And there was a couple other things in there. I think we need either a reduction in the amount that the materials cost, like print them on newsprint or uh, cheaper paper at the very least. And the best case scenario is to get them in a smaller size where they can actually you know, charge maybe two bucks for them. Or if we anthologize, that's where I think the savior is going to be, is the in, in the anthology. And everybody hates that. Whenever I mention... You know, we, the thing that's going to save the industry is the anthology. They're like, oh, I don't want to buy an anthology. I don't want a story that I don't read or a title that I don't read. Well, you know, I, I think you have to pull up your pants and be a big boy because this industry is not going to be able to continue the way it is now. Go ahead, Tom. Think, I'm sorry. I, I think it's funny because you mentioned the anthology thing and you mentioned how people seem turned off by anthologies. I mean, one of the more concerning things I think that sort of ties in with what I think are a lot of high quality books that don't sell very well is 
myself personally, when I look at what sells, I get a feeling of like, I don't have any idea what people actually like or what retailer, you know, what retailers think people like. Because I look at it and I'm like, you know, if I got an anthology that was reasonably priced that had a story in it that I didn't read, I wouldn't be personally offended by having, you know, a story right. I didn't read in there. I'd try it. But I think there's, it's a weird thing because comic books have that collector's mentality to some of it. It's sometimes hard to figure out exactly what percentage of people actually read and care about them as opposed to what people just buy them because they've always bought book X forever and now they keep getting it. I've become more and more conscious of that like over the last couple of years. You know, how many people really care actually about how good the books are? Right. And today in the comic shop, a lot of the things you just brought up, we discussed. I, I wanted to get the owner of Comics on the Green and Scranton, PA, on tonight because there's nothing better than hearing it from at least one retailer's point of view, where he he looks at the bookstores, it, where, where I think the bookstores are going to be the savior of comics once they do finally realize that they're going to have to anthologize these things and make them look like actual books and get them in the bookstores. He looks at Borders and say um, Barnes & Noble as you know the training wheels. A person will go to Borders and pick up a trade and like the comic, and then they'll start seeking out the comic book stores to keep up with that book on a regular basis. And I don't know how true that is. It, it, yeah, I think if I don't, don't think I don't think it's going to be true at all. I, I work at a bookstore, so I mean, we've seen an increase in titles of uh, trades, but generally, what we're selling more of is manga. Of course, than the, you know, and then then the than the uh, traditional comic book trades. And our local comic book store sells very little manga. If any at all, I mean Same he here, he keep store, yeah. he keeps some stocked, but that's just for the very rare customer that will come in there specifically looking for that. But to the to the superhero fans and the you know your Vertigo readers, they don't want to be bothered with that. So you could argue that Viz, Tokyo Pop, and to a lesser extent like Dark Horse and companies like that have cultivated an audience from the bookstores. So I I, I, really, I I wanted to agree with him, but I couldn't because I didn't I, – I can't wrap my head around that, that why someone would start in a bookstore and then go to a comic book store. It's, it's like shopping at Macy's and then going to Walmart. <laughs> well, it's sort of like if you're not used to shopping weekly for the books, why would you even care? Right. I, I'm know, sure like, people don't even you? know that they come out weekly. Or when they come out or how often they come out. Right. Uh, why would you? you find if you find gold in a stream, you really don't ever go looking somewhere else for it. That's that's right. But, I mean, to continue this, I, I crunched a couple of the numbers. And these are a uh, product of the work of John Mayo, whose comic book resources column is a treasure trove of knowledge as far as how much books actually sell. Now, I, I, I pulled out all the books in, say, the top 75, roughly, that were priced over 350 And the first one is really disturbing. At number two, for the month of February, now these are estimates, so I'm, I'm sure the numbers aren't dead on. At number two, with a cover price of three ninety nine on the on the overall diamond list was Dark Tower Gunslinger Born. Now, when you think of the world's most popular authors... I'm sure, if not the first, then Stephen King is up in the top three. The man has amazing amount of fans, and the Dark Tower books are, I would say, are his best books. 
And what would you think, with all that clout behind him, the name, Stephen King, a brand on a comic book, would draw a... a that's cool. <laughs> What's that? It was X fifty one. That was my little computer. I mean, one of the one of the the world's most. Let's be honest. He's the world's most famous author, pop culture author. He's everybody knows him. He's recognizable. He sells a hell of a lot of books. Now, when when uh, the first issue of Dark Tower shipped, the our local Borders did something I've never seen Borders do. They had the Dark Tower comics at the register. They weren't pushed to the side like the rest of the, the floppies on the racks. Dark Tower was singled out as being important enough to move it over near the registers in this little display. And how many copies did Dark Tower sell? 150,000. Uh, 172,000. Yeah. Those numbers are pathetic. That's, those, that's a disgusting amount. Why would you... I mean, I would, if I was Stephen King, I would look at that as a failure. I only sold 172,000 books based on my name. Now, everybody who read the book knows it's an amazing achievement. It's really well done. But I would think anything with Stephen King's name on it has the potential to sell in the millions. And yet this book at three ninety nine only sold 172,000. Now, number seven was a 350 book, and it comes from D.C., which was Justice Number 10, which only sold 94,000 books, almost 95,000. At number 22, with a cover price of three ninety nine, was the X-Men Annual number 1, which only sold 65,600 books. And it gets worse from here. Oh, yeah. It's not going to get better. No. <laughs> action, <laughs> action Comics Annual number 10 at number 26, with a cover price of three ninety nine, sold 62,000. Eternals number 7 with a cover price of 399 at number 30 sold 58,700 and uh as we inch our way out of the top you know say 60 at number 56 with a cover price of 399 was Annihilation Heralds of Galactus at 34,500 copies now if this is any indication what does that tell you people are not all that happy about paying three fifty for a comic book? If if the name Stephen King can't sell a couple million comics at three ninety nine, what the hell does? I mean, and number the second biggest seller features Alex Ross art, who is extremely popular, and yet it didn't even crack a hundred thousand. If Dan and Joe are planning to push these things up to three fifty, they better look long and hard at these numbers, because. The uh, party that was thrown when Civil War sold, you know, it broke 300,000 copies. That's going to be a pipe dream at 350 a pop. Well, I think also, I think you also have to look at the fact that uh, a lot of the much, the recent sort of ballyhoo, if I might use a big word. That's a nice about, word. Uh, comic, about uh, comic sales, you know, you really look at uh, what's sold a lot. You know, you look at Civil War that sold a couple hundred thousand. And then you look at the next thing down. I mean that is a and it's and that's dark tower you know and that is a steep drop oh, from you're not kidding yeah from one book I mean that's not that's not healthy to me as far as sales go in any way to think that right you have one huge selling book and then your next one down is just a steep drop and then it's just plummets yeah and that gunslinger was the first issue by the way because I'm looking I'm looking at the list now but I mean even if you scan this list two amazingly successful movies that millions upon millions of people went to see, which were Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, 
and Amazing Spider-Man still doesn't crack 150,000 copies at 299. So I I can only imagine how low those numbers are going to be when they push it up to 350. So what should we change this podcast to? I don't know. I I, I think it's the <laughs> holy shit. I'm afraid for comic books. Oh, I mean, I'm reading my old comics again this week. Podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, when 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 technology enables your audience to circumvent the retail system and get these things very easily for free you have to do something yes you, digital you, yeah you can't just sit back and say well you know what let's do like the recording industry did and when faced with all this pirating let's raise the price to recoup our, our losses that's insane it's the wrong way to do it it's well, also with the music also with the music industry is they're just putting out a bunch of filler I mean, it's the kids now are just going to download a song, and then that's and then that's it. And then when you see what was it last year, a twenty twenty percent drop in music sales, right? Well, I, I, mean, I I believe that to be true with the major label bands, but there's a lot of good stuff being created on the small labels mm-hmm. that that's not filler. But yeah, you're right. And comics haven't been as good as they are now. I would say in you know, a nice chunk of years. Everything's really good. I'll even give DC credit. Their 52 series seems to be generating some kind of, you know, excitement. I, I don't see it, but it's happening. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, you look at what's come out. I mean, look at, I mean, there's books I don't like, but if I compare them to books from 10, 15 years ago, I even have to admit there's books that I don't like that I think are so much better than just the, how the general state of things were Yeah. at one point, you know? the Just the bar of quality overall on everything seems to be higher, but it doesn't necessarily reflect in how many people are buying them. Now, l- let's look at a couple books that I think are really aesthetically well-created books. Great art, amazing writing, like Exterminators, which I was dis- disturbed exactly. to find out it only sells 9,000 copies. And at two ninety nine, what is going to happen when inevitably, if Marvel raises prices, the pinheads down the street are going to follow suit like they did last yeah. year? Exterminators. I, wish they wouldn't. I know, <laughs> and and see that's that's the opportunity DC has right now. Well, let's just hypothetical situation: Marvel raises prices to three fifty. A smart businessman would say, "We're not going to raise prices. We're going to keep them at two ninety nine. I will bet my ass." And that's a big bet that DC, for the first time in a long time, will overtake Marvel in market share if that happens. And they keep their books the same price. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see comics at three fifty. Period. No. F- from anyone, because the the idea these things are stories, and for stories to seep into the public, the culture, the consciousness of the culture. That's what I wanted to say originally, but you know my lips were all tied up. You have to make them as widely available as possible for an attractive price where a person would say, I can waste $2 on this piece of paper. I'm not going to waste 350 on it, though. And uh, so you have to pervade the culture. And it's not going to happen at 350 For these things to survive, it's going to be a pipe dream. I'm afraid. I'm afraid for Marvel and I'll tell you what I've been reading comics for as long as Methuselah but if they go to 350 I'm going to really seriously consider moving over to trades that's half the stuff I get right now is in trades right. I mean yeah. just just the price in itself I mean I just did my DCBS order 
uh, tonight, and it was uh, at two hundred bucks. Holy crap! <laughs> Jesus! Well, really? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I, a lot of people order more than that, but for me, that's a lot of money. That's a chunk. No, of No, that is a lot of money. It, it yes, is. It is. <laughs> I, I get. <laughs> Jesus, I get. You know, and that's forty percent. That's forty percent off. I know. Yeah. Wow. You know? I cringe. I cringe when mine hits like a hundred and something. Yeah. 110, yeah. 120, but damn. I'm about 120, so yeah. See, I get Marvel right across the board with one or two exceptions, and mine doesn't even come close to 200 bucks. Jeez, what the hell are you getting? Well, there's there's a lot of trades, and there's some hardbacks yeah. in there, ah, too. So and then those, the, add up, those add up quickly. Then there's and, the the Blue Boy and the Shave Twinks. You know. There's all the Archie comic books <laughs> that I'm getting. <laughs> Absolutely well, Archie. Gene, <laughs> Ultimate Arch. There is a. Uh, I mean, June is pretty big because even if, I mean, even outside of the trades, and and I don't know. I mean, are we getting into previews? I mean, you have like all the World War Hulk stuff coming out. You got Frontline. You yeah. Got all the, the miniseries. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a big month, not just with trades, but also with 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 the single monthly issues. You you talk about Frontline there, and you know we're talking about anthologies. And granted, you know that's not like a, a Japanese anthology. But there was, you know, there were two solid good stories in that book, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. that if they could produce something like that on a monthly basis, I would pick that up. You mm-hmm. know, and I plan on picking up World War Hulk Frontline just based on the Civil War one. Yep. And it would be a shock to the system if they did decide to anthologize, but it's it's kind of like, you know, you jump into the pool and the water's cold, but after a while you're going to learn to love it. Because you you become accustomed to the change. That's what Marvel needs to do. They need to put their shitty sellers together with books that sell really well and generate more interest in the ones that are being overlooked. Like She-Hulk. I'm sure She-Hulk doesn't sell Buku, but it's a damn good book. It is. And I think if they put She-Hulk together with Hulk and maybe a, a Hulk or... Sh- and maybe... If they put someone in a sleeping bag, the, <laughs> you know, if they put She Hulk or Hulk together with maybe like uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know, I think he's doing it on purpose now. Hello, was he dancing? <laughs> oh, sorry, that's oh, all right. No. He's just giggling to himself, <laughs> sipping his wine and giggling. I'm leaving that in because that was funny. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> what I was gonna say was I can't wait for when uh, that reporter in Frontline tells Hulk that he's out of touch because he's yeah because he's yeah. baseball he's league. Been, he's been, <laughs> <laughs> where have you been on a planet the past fourteen months? What's wrong with you? You don't know who Are you America not involved is. In fantasy baseball? <laughs> How can you be angry? But, <sighs> Pokemon is so nineteen ninety nine. But we are gonna get into the previews. But I just you know, like I, Icon. I, come on. I, <laughs> It's like ultra, but I mean, this stuff is important. You have to talk about this shit. We we have to get something needs to be done. And like I said, you can call me Chicken Little, but I don't think comics are going to survive at three fifty. It's going to be nothing little about you, Vince. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd like to. I, I say there isn't, but they, <laughs> there there kind of is. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wink. Mr. So hello, Mister Little. If anyone listening to this mess has an opinion on what we can do to avert this potential disaster, jump on our forums or send us some email. And I, I mean, I'd love to read them, 
because this is a, a topic which is very, very important to me. I was fuming. Ask David. When I saw th- Criminal was bumped up to 350 I was majorly pissed. Well, you see the, you see the price raise in the Icon books. Now, is there something there? Um, you know, it could be a clever trick as far as Powers is concerned, because if anyone ha- has been reading DC Comics for a long time, DC did the same thing in the 70s. They added pages and a little bit more on the price, and after that added page count thing went away, the prices stayed the same. That's, yeah. that's what I'm afraid is going to happen to Powers. They're, they're saying that this story requires extra pages. What's going to happen when this storyline's over? Is it going to go back well, you know, to the regular price? You- you know, listening to Bendis talk about it is that, uh, and he mentioned something about this at the con, is that they're just in. It's just not for this issue. It's that he's increasing the letter pages, also, because mm-hmm. he wants to bring that back. Well, it hasn't been. Going to be the powers explosion. <laughs> you know, Fell has a nice extravaganza. Fell has a nice amount of letters, pages, and uh, other bric-a-brac in it, and bric-a-brac, and they only charge a buck ninety-nine for that. Well, look, there's a good model, Vince, right there. Yeah, that's a great model. That book, that book right there. It's another way of thinking. It's not, you know, the 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 biggest amount of content, but at a dollar ninety-nine, you don't really care. If I have to read, and you know what, anthologizing books can also solve the late artist problem, and I think I talked about that last time, but if Frank Cho can't do 22 pages of comics a month, let him do 16, and then back it up with a full comic by an artist who can do 22 pages a month. So that's another problem they could solve. Do 22 pages of female Ultron, I don't care. Yeah, well. Sexy robots. That's right, baby. (laughs) Daryl just hit the stop button. We lost one, but that's okay. But yeah, so let's move on. Uh, (laughs) Wait, wait, we. I don't. Well, I think we lost them a while ago because, like, like John Suntress keeps bringing up in Word Balloon, we're like he. Daryl visits our website. He visits our forum, but we're not on his list of of podcasts that are in his signature on the Bendis board. So I don't know. I don't know what to take, man. That shit doesn't bother me. I I don't really care. <laughs> I I don't. So there, you know, it's been tossed. No, I I don't. If you you know, I, whenever I see a, you know, what do you listen to podcast list and we're not mentioned in it, whatever. So what? You know, I don't care. I'm go lower your karma. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do that very well by myself. <laughs> but in in short, I love comic books. I want them to continue. Joe. Casada, if you're listening, or Dan, or anybody, don't raise the price. Do not raise the price, please. I'm, I'm begging you. Yeah, and, and um, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, just that stuff. I don't mind paying for them. I love it, but you know, whatever. So let's move Give on. Give it benefits. Give it a benefits for creators. That'll probably. Save I have money. to. I have to. Do you really? For legal reasons, yes. For legal, I, hey, listen, I, I chimed in. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll, pre-record, I'll pre-record some stuff and send it to you. You can just edit it in. It'll just be guffaws. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, just be like, oh, sure, remember no. that? Oh, no, you didn't. Like, I agree. Oh, snap. Well, our th- thanks, Tom, for being with us. Oh, no problem. People can find more of Tom Caters over at AroundComics.com. Great podcast. Uh, you, can, you can also check out MASHFanatics.org, which is my MASH movie fan site. And I'm kidding. That's not. <laughs> oh damn! I was just about to type it in. I was about to type it in too. Well, if they have <laughs> one, the domain's available. Yeah, the, yeah. Order the, that up quick. 
absolutely. Check the iHeart Clinger icon. <laughs> <laughs> but only when you dress like a woman. When he's not dressing like a woman, the show went downhill. Oh, yeah, well. The best comic podcast, bar none, around comics. Go listen to it. It's great. Why, well, thank you. It is. It is. Well, yeah, I, well, I'm, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> Let's build up the modesty. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Tom, t- Tom we're going to see you in Wizardville, Chicago? Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see me. I'll be around. Oh, okay. I'll he, be there the whole weekend. Dodge awesome. and weave. Oh, there's no Lollapalooza this year? No, no flaming lips to tear my, uh, my loyalties. Oh, wow. That's a damn yeah, good reason to leave, though. Than... Yeah, not like I didn't like uh, hanging out in the suburbs with nerds, but... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you, Tom. Good night, buddy. Alright, bye. I am with Mr. Mark Bagley, uh, most recently uh, artist on Ultimate Spider-Man for uh, over 100 and, is it 107 issues right now, Mark? Uh, 108. No, uh, 108 is on. Yeah, 107 is on the stands. He broke uh, the Jack Kirby Stan Lee record on Fantastic Four, actually. Uh, so, Mark, how are you able to uh, you know, keep up a monthly schedule the way you did it without missing a beat and having your book come out on time? Or sometimes you'd have like two books each month, actually. I grew up looking at guys who did that between Kirby and Kane and you know uh, John Buscema and to me that's always what comics is it's, it's a monthly medium that you know the fans really appreciate the idea they kill the store and you know it's quality stuff it's not hacked out or anything like that but it comes out on a, on a, a regular enough basis where it keeps them involved it keeps them them as interested as I am and plus I love what I do so I stay at my desk a lot I don't play video games <laughs> I don't do a lot <laughs> so you've had the you've been you're known for actually having very long runs some titles you worked on like there's Spider, there's uh, Ultimate Spider-Man you did work on Thunderbolts uh, you did New Warriors and you were also on uh, Amazing Spider-Man for, for quite a bit of time <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I, you know there, there aren't that many artists who are able to stay on the book for that long um, how do you you know how do you really get into uh, you know working on books these long and how co- and uh, you it doesn't look like you ever get tired working on the same character for quite a bit of time. Well, you do. I mean, you, you eventually do. But it's, to me, it's more about who I'm working with. You know, it's like I'm enjoying the stories of you know, I'm enjoying who the inker is and Brian and you know, it's, you know, even if it's Spider-Man, if I if, if I wasn't enjoying the whole working environment, I wouldn't be wouldn't have been on it this long. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. When I got off it, I was sick to death because it was just it was editor after editor and changing writer after writer and crossover story after crossover story. The cool thing about Amazing Spider-Man was it was my book and we weren't really involved in a whole lot of other, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of guest stars. We didn't have a whole lot of event things. It was very character driven, you know. I got to enjoy the fact that you know, I draw him in costume maybe every fourth issue or fifth issue, if that. It cost me a lot of money in art sales, original art sales, but, you know, I don't mind that because to me, you know, it was more Peter Parker's book. So that's, that's how I maintain the interest, the story being very good. Very cool. So uh, now that you're uh, done, I guess, uh, have you finished your final issue of Ultimate Spider-Man? No, I'm working on 10. I'm just about to finish 109, and I'm doing 110 and half of 111. So sort of introduce Stuart Inman and stuff into the book. Uh, it's going to be a good story. It's the, basically the story where Peter talks to Aunt May about being Spider-Man, and Brian felt like I was the guy to do that story. So it's going to be fun. 
You know, a lot of people would say that you know you should be the one doing every Ultimate Spider-Man story. So, uh, with you uh, finishing up Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do for now? Well, I'm taking over the second arc on Mighty Avengers. Five issues of that, with issue seven, I think, for the first issue. And I'm doing the Ultimate Spider-Man Annual because it's gonna be a very cool story that I'm not gonna talk about right now. But Brian okay. wants me to do it, sort of. Up, up my alley big time and then uh, we'll see alright thank you so much for talking to us Mr. Bagley uh, keep up the great work and I can't wait to see your mighty Avengers I'll do what I can keep up the good work as much as I can thank you alright so sorry for the soapbox but I, I think it's necessary let's get into the previews cover story World War Hulk that's a no brainer <laughs> Dateline. I think it's got to muffle your voice. World War Hulk is coming. <sighs> Newsflash. Worst episode ever. I thought that was the last <laughs> week. We can't have two wet worst episodes ever back to back. It's going to be the worst podcast of all time. Oh damn! That's just like that's just all encompassing. That's so wrong. I have been waiting for World War Hulk for quite some time. Based on, on top. Yes. Based on the strengths of Greg Pak's amazing run in Incredible Hulk, I think this is going to be—it's going to be the shit. It's going to be. I think it's going to be the summer event of two thousand seven. I think it's going to be everything that Civil War wasn't. And I love Civil Civil War. War. Everything. No, there were some drawbacks to it and some unsuccessful areas, but I think uh, blasphemy. World War Hulk is going to be amazing. I'm saving my money for Marvel Illustrated. You know, it got me to buy Heroes for Hire, so... Oh, did it? Oh, uh, excellent. Crosses over into Heroes for Hire. How could I say no? Mark Sparaccio, there you go. Clay Man pencils it and does not say the inker. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that part out. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean Oh, you mean um, in the previews? In, uh, yeah. Upcoming... Okay, okay. I thought yeah. we were talking about Civil War and... The, okay, never mind. That's good. I see where, you go. I see where you're going now. So let's... The vodka, the, the vodka's kicking in. Let's uh, saunter. Boy, you know, there's a lot of crossovers at Marvel these days. Not only do we have World War Hulk crossing over into a nice amount of books, the initiative is like in, you know, almost 20, almost 20 titles. It, it's, it's Hulk, initiative, or back in black. It's like everything else is just like, you know, what the hell are the X-Men doing? I mean, that, that, that's, that's all we got. Um, I think the X-Men are gearing up for a big event. Yeah, it's coming in September. Yep. Which is probably going to be propelled by Endangered Species, which is written by Mike Carey, penciled by the great Scott Eaton. How could you say no? Hey. Well, it depends on how much it is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It depends on how big my order is for September. God damn it. It's my birthday that month. I got to save my money. The, um, see, but I'm not actually, you'll have to sell me on that because I'm the only X-Men I'm currently reading is Astonishing and as an offshoot, X-Factor. I'm not reading X-Men. I'm not reading Uncanny. I'm thinking about picking up Uncan- um, X-Men 200, though. Only because it's supposed to start... It starts a new storyline, right? Because 199 ends the current storyline. Am I reading that right? Yes, yes, it's part one of four. Okay. Blinded by so the light. I'm, I may... Is Bacalo back on the art on that? 50-50, uh, Ramos and Bacalo. Bacalo. I don't know how to say it. Is that the cover or the interior? It says, penciled by Umberto Ramos and Chris Piccolo. Okay. 50-50 wraparound cover by Umberto Ramos, 50-50 wraparound cover by Chris Piccolo, and a gatefold variant cover by David Finch, whose work I'm not all that hot on, but that's an amazing image. 
he he can be um he's got his good days and his bad days with me i thought his his uh, new avengers opening arc was was pretty good um but then uh, moon knight just kind of got a little wonky and and i know citizen dave's going to come after me for that but i just i really wasn't keen on the um on the art for the first issues of of moon knight i'm i can only hope that danny Miki kind of reined him in a bit but um even with even with the man on inks you uh you still had some very image-esque artwork going on inside those pages. I still have yet to crack open that hardcover, but I'll get there. Take your time. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait, no, that, that was, was that, that. That sounded different in my head. My bad. Just the sheer amount of characters in Finch's wraparound cover—it's—it's it's staggering to imagine sitting down and drawing all those characters, and it's—it's it's really a nice composition too. It flows really well. I like it a lot. It's a great image, and they are selling it as a poster, right? Yeah, fifteen ninety nine poster. You can get it in in color and black and white to showcase the efforts of the colorist who is not mentioned. Oh wow, that's got to burn, huh? Kind of like when they do the. Uh, never mind. He pretty much nailed them. I mean, there's all the characters you would expect to see in there. Uh, I think you would be very pleased with Mike Carey's X Men. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to get the hardback when that comes out. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of too. I did buy the um I did buy the annual with yeah. North Star and Aurora and that was I mean aside from the Mark Brooks artwork the uh the storyline was pretty neat. I um I said it was my first X-Men in a while. Do you know if the annual will be included in that hardcover? I think yeah. he, I think yes. Really? No, really? Yeah, I think it is. No kidding. Yeah. So you get um what is it? Eight issues? Twelve? Issues. No, twelve. Really? It's yeah, it's, it's collected a whole year. Holy crap! The same, the same with the Brubaker run on Uncanny. They're collecting the whole year. See, when you buy the monthlies, you don't pay attention to the trades. Yeah. But I hope in I hope not in eight months that I will know what's in the trades and I won't give a shit about the monthlies. So we'll see what happens. But let's <laughs> let's get back to this. It, you know, we used to do this sucker in sequential order, but I think that's pretty daunting when we have this much stuff to work with. Well, you also have the actual preview, Marvel previews catalog in front of you. I unfortunately do not because I did not make it to the comic shop. So I have I have printouts from Marvel and our. Um, our friends over at Comic Book Resources, so I have uh. the Marvel solicitation. So I'm kind of just trying to jump around and catch up with you guys. So you, you can expect the phone call from Joseph the Fourth that David was w- inadequate, was woefully, woefully, yes, woefully and inadequately <laughs> unprepared for this episode. But, but you know what, Joseph? But what else um, is when, 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 Yeah, never mind that. But but when your wife says, "Yeah, we're not going to the comic shop this weekend because our mortgage was due," you kind of go, "Okay, that's fine," you know, but. Actually, I do have a, um, I do have kind of a, a, a neat little story. Okay. Um, yesterday at work, uh, I, I I work on a uh, on a college campus, and my stepson came by to. He's a student there. He came by to use the gym. So on his way back out of the, um, out of the gym, he stopped by to see me, and he noticed my wallpaper is from the confession. So he asked me if that was Iron Man. And I said, yeah. And he said, he asked me if, if he read something that uh, Captain America was dead. And I says, well, that's why he's on this slab right here. And we started talking about, I, I was telling him why it happened. So I told him that the, the heroes were fighting each other. He says, 
what was that about? So I was explaining Civil War. And then he says, well, what were the X-Men doing? I says, well, Emma Frost said that we're going to sit this out. And, he, and, and we were just going back and forth. You know, he'd ask questions and I'd answer them. So now for his birthday next month, I'm going to... Um, well, actually, when they when they come out, he'll, he'll get them. But I'm I'm picking up the uh, pretty much most of the Civil War trades for him, only so he can find out what's been going on in Marvel the past year. But it was it was just great. I think I took like 20 minutes out of my out of my lunch hour. We were just talking comics because he 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 read. You know, I think like the last thing he read from the X Men were like the Legion Quest. So he really, you know, he didn't. He read some of the Age of Apocalypse, but since they have the four trades of that, I'm gonna get those for him. Um, yeah, it, and then he he got a little crazy. He was asking about Nightwing and and stuff like that. So you know, I was like, oh, insane. I know I was zoning out <laughs> there. My eyes were glassing over. But I mean, it was it was it was you'd have loved it. It was a really neat little just you know kind of like a, a bonding moment right there. I was you, like, oh, all right. Well, now I know what to get him. You know, you're on a road to disaster. It it it, it, it cannot end well because well, he, if he doesn't like them, you we lost a comic fan. But if he does like them, you're gonna have to hear it. That this kid is spending so much money on comic books now, and who well, is? He'll probably come over and read mine. I don't, <laughs> he he, it's a good day. It it really did turn my day around because my my, my work day was really going to pot. But um, I you know now, now I got to go and spend money on on trades, and I'm not I, you know, it's for a good cause. I figure. Yeah, the younger you get them, good for the industry. Yeah, won't, won't matter much in eight months though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at Ultimate <laughs> Ultimate Fantastic Four. We got the Silver Surfer. And thank God, Mike Carey is rejoined by Pascal Ferry again. Yes. I, I like Mark Brooks, but I'm not feeling the current, uh, the arc. Well, I'm sure the covers aren't helping, but the... That's true. This is not... Are they, are, are they writing this up as like the first appearance of the Silver Surfer in the Ultimate Universe? I don't know but that would probably be preempted by something warren ellis did wouldn't it yes it would be that's what i'm trying to find out if although the character in the ultimate trilogy had like wings he really didn't fly around on a surfboard so so they're doing it right this time yes in the (laughs) ultimate ff they're doing it right uh but i i am i read the ultimate ff so i mean i'm i'm there i'm i'm really interested to see uh well hell i'm 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 happy to see Ferry back on on the art chores for the book so you know what we need an ultimate universe event i think that's, do we i think uh bendis was talking about that but i don't he's, know if that's bendis come to has been fruition. hinting at he, he's been saying for a while that um that jeff Loeb is a joy to work with there are people that are team players and jeff Loeb is definitely you know one of those people because we know that Jeff Loeb is going to be working on Ultimates 3 and 4 when, when Miller and Hitch are done and um, I'm guessing for Bendis to say that who's writing Ultimate Spider-Man if Loeb is writing the Ultimates and that they work well together then I'm, I'm I can assume that something will be coming out I, but see, I, I don't want to see the Avengers as the focus of a, um, an Ultimate Universe no, I event I, I, don't, I don't think I, I do either but I'm I don't know if we really need an, an, you know, yeah, we haven't seen it in the Ultimate Universe, but I don't think we really need to see another event right now. We've got, we're off of Civil War. We <laughs> it's got, only we four got books. We've got World War Hulk coming out. Yeah. yeah but you're going to risk people just getting burned out. 
Yeah, there's a chance of that, but there's also a chance of really pushing the Ultimate Fantastic Four, which is what I was kind of hinting at, because Ultimate Spider-Man doesn't need any help. That's a pretty strong seller. Right. Ultimate X-Men, I think, is propelled, I guess, by the the memories and the, the uh, feelings towards the regular Marvel Universe X-Men, but Ultimate Fantastic Four is... A superb book, and I think it needs a little bit of help. And I would like to see something centered around the Fantastic Four in the Ultimate I think Universe. If I, if I faintly remember right, <clears throat> I may be totally wrong here, but I remember someone talking about the actions that uh, that Reed, some something that Reed is going to do is going to set off a major event. <laughs> I bet you it in has the, to do with the Cosmic Cube. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. that's just what we need: Ultimate Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Which will le- pave the way for the next Ultimate book, Ultimate Man Thing. Can you see it? <laughs> Come on. You, you know you want it. Your ultimate man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's quite phallic. No. I just like regular man thing. I don't need ultimate. Right. Well, the the regular man, man thing is the ultimate man thing. There There is none better. <laughs> of course. Of course. I was silly. Yeah, and then we have Otherwise. Ultimate Spider-Man, which is always good. Doesn't need any any props from us to sell books. It's it's going to be sad to see Bagley off the title, but you know, after 110 issues, that's well, 110 and a half because he's doing half of it with uh, with Eminent. And if you listen to one of the interviews that Pat recorded, which you will probably hear in a couple minutes, Mister Bagley has been asked to come back for the Ultimate Spider-Man Annual. So even when he's done, he'll still be doing an Ultimate Spider-Man book somewhere down the road. Yeah, but we got we got Immelman coming up, and I can't complain about that. No, rock, yeah, I'm skippy. Rock solid. <laughs> I, I was talking to uh, I can't remember his name, the colorist uh, that he worked with on Next Wave, and he's seen some of the pages so far. And again, Immelman has changed his style again mm. for this book. <laughs> he says it looks great. I don't know. Why change it? I mean, the next wave style was fantastic. Yeah, but I don't know if... Um, I would think that it really doesn't... That, that style doesn't really call for what Bendis is doing. That worked with Ellis, but will it work with Bendis? Well, the style he did on next wave was real close to what Bagley does, give or take. In simplicity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, let's just be happy we have Eminent on the book. Yeah. It, it could have been um, somebody uh, less... Less, the, uh, <laughs> land. less skill. land. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you don't want to wish that on anybody. And you know what? I actually ripped out the page in this previews with Greg Land's uh, Satana cover. I I can't stand looking oh at it. Oh my god! I, I was looking at that today. How the hell does she sit like that without falling over? How does she digest food? <laughs> Never mind sit. The weight distribution just in the figure itself. Is totally wrong. Well, see, she's top heavy, and they pull her forward. But uh, she looks like she's leaning back, and which I wouldn't mind. How about what? A, uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm such a sucker. The cover disgusted me to the point where I ripped it out of the previews, and I'm still ordering it. I'm 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 an idiot because anything that has even remotely a connection with the Marvel horror books of the '70s, I'll buy it. 
I, I have no idea who the artists were on this thing. Um, I think Jonathan Hickman is involved in it somehow, so I lied. I had, you know, the other guy I know nothing about. And But it was written by Robin Firth, who's doing a real good job on Dark Tower. And right. he, he wrote the the uh, Dark Tower Concordance books, and they're, they're really good. So I ordered it, but I'm not happy about it. I am sitting down with uh, writer, artist, creator. He does everything, folks. Uh, his name is Phil Hester. He's currently the, uh, write, the uh, penciler on Marvel's uh, Irredeemable Ant-Man. And uh, right now he is working on a sketch. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm excellent. So uh, you write and you draw. And uh, I think you have like a writing project coming out at the same time while you're, while you're working on something else that you're drawing for the most part. Uh, how, do you, how do you juggle the time between the two? Well, I, I, I sort of take this uh, approach that I start writing on any day when I can't draw anymore. So you know, I've been drawing so long that you reach a point. Mm-hmm. About three or four o'clock in the afternoon, when you just cannot draw anymore. <laughs> Either your eyes hurt or your hands hurt. So I take that time out and find some quiet time, and I write. And I, I guess my idea, my attitude is that if I, if I diversify, if I can write a lot of things and I can draw a lot of things, I should always be able to find something to do in comics. That sounds really cool. And as far as what you know, what you're doing, comics, you are. You're a really, really good storyteller, and I like the fact that, besides the fact that you're a storyteller, you have a very, very unique style. Like your, your. When I look at a comic book, you know, when I look at the shelf, I know it's a Phil Hester book just because of the cover. That if you're drawing the cover anyway, I can tell it's you because you, your style has a, you know, you have a distinctive look. Yeah. Uh, how did you develop that style, and uh, what, what's, what really, what were the inspirations behind it? Well, it's kind of hard for me to be objective about it uh-huh. because. Uh, you know, I see all, when I see my stuff, all I really see is a lot of we- all the weaknesses, mm-hmm. and I tend to I tend to have this attitude that I've you know I've developed my style to hide my weaknesses, uh-huh. but that's not you know if I'm honest, that's not entirely true. I, I am creating stuff that I like to look at, and it comes from all these influences I had when I, like everybody else when I was 10 years old. What I saw when I was 10 that really tripped my trigger, and that was you know Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Gene Colan and and, you know, Alex Toth and Bernie Wrights and guys like that. And Joe Staten is in there, too. And you, like, smash all those guys together. And that horrible mess is me. <laughs> that's not a bad mess, if you ask me. If that's, if that's a mess, then, you know. Yeah. I can only you know, imagine what, when you, you know, what a real good Phil Hester piece it would be. Well, yeah. me too. I'm waiting for it to happen. Uh, I've, I've seen a few of them. I own a couple of them myself. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, you have... Uh, you're working. Speaking of you know um, your style, you're working on a book for Marvel right now, the Irredeemable Ant-Man, and you guys are doing something that's rare, that doesn't really happen too often anymore. You have this. Uh, it's a 12-panel grid, right? It's, it's actually a 16-panel grid. 16 panels. Yeah. So uh, how how are you able to play with that? How are, you know you have a, your style has a very. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a bulky kind right. of heavy yeah. style. How are you able to make that work with this you know this grid? It's been a real challenge, but 
it's it's worth it because it's a storytelling experiment that both Robert Kirkman and, and we are taking, and I I love doing things out of the norm, so I'm willing to I'm willing to take that risk with this. It does cut down a little bit on you know I like to use um, composition inside a panel and the characters themselves to sort of push you from panel to panel storytelling wise, and a lot of that's taken away by this grid, but at the same time it, it opens up a lot of uh, opportunities to like play with timing, you know that uh, you, you can't use in a normal comic. So, you know, it's it's not that every pa- every page is 16 panels, but we're we're averaging about 12. But uh, it's it, the whole the thought behind it is that we wanted to do an anti decompression book. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get a lot of story in every issue, and uh, I think I think we've accomplished that. I have to agree. Uh, are you are you guys going to be continuing with this with this experiment for like, the entirety of the series, or uh, are you guys going to be relaxing a bit after you get to a certain point? No, because I had about I about had a stroke after number six, so <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have two fill-ins because I just uh, you know physically it's just really demanding. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have two issues that Corey Walker's doing, and then we're coming back on, and it's still a, it's still going to be uh, a dense book. It's just not going to be quite as dense. All right. And uh, besides Ant Man, do you have any uh, writing projects coming up soon that you'd like to talk about and promote? Yeah, yeah uh, I'm going to be writing uh, The Darkness from Top Cow this mm-hmm. fall, um, and that's going to be fun. They're letting me, you know, take a lot of chances with their character, which I, you know, I appreciate. And uh, I'm doing a book for Image that hasn't been announced yet, but it's, okay. I can tell you it's called Golly, and it's uh-huh. sort of a. I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of a hillbilly hellblazer. Oh, I love that. All right. About a guy who's a part-time carnival ride repairman and the defender of Earth from the forces of hell. Uh, and he's kind of a... It's kind of a... It's like my usual horror stuff, but with a lot of humor in it. And uh, we're going to be relaunching The Atheist as Antoine Sharp from Desperado uh-huh. uh, with a new artist, Will Volley, super talented kid. And we're going to start over from number one after number four finally comes out and um, uh, just a bunch of other stuff that's in the works that we, you know it's a little too early to talk about but I'm always you know if I start 10 projects two will happen so uh-huh. <laughs> that's just my goal and you also have that postcards book coming up right oh, yeah. yeah I keep forgetting to mention that because I, I did it so long ago mm-hmm. but uh, Jason Rodriguez um, put together a really great anthology called postcards and it's all just short stories based around postcards vintage postcards and I'm really I'm so proud of it I think it's it's only eight pages, but I feel like it's the best thing I ever wrote, and I'm really proud of it. Uh, your inking partner, Andy Parks, actually said the same thing about his story. I've never seen yeah. the, I, I keep hearing you know, about this anthology, and I'm looking forward for, for it to come out. It's coming out through uh, Villiard Publishing, which is a part of Random House. Right. And, uh, Phil, uh, where can we reach you online? Uh, I have a website uh, called uh, shocktraumastudios.com, and there's a contact me button there if you want to chat with me, and there's news there every once in a while. We don't update it as much as we should. But, uh, you know, there's little tidbits there every once in a while. Folks, he doesn't update because he has a lot of work to do. Stop by, check out his work, pick up his books. It's worth your time. And I'm, yeah, I usually hang out on most, you know, the big boards. Yeah, Bendis board, places like that. Yes, you do. <laughs> that's that's how this whole thing got started. So thank you so much for your time, Mr. Hester. And uh, I'm looking forward to more your work. More F-Man. Thank you, Pat. All right. But anyway, something else I'm not all that happy about, and I thought I would be, is the back in black thing so far. I have to say, it's pretty underwhelming. Well, what what is it that you were... What were you expecting? And what what, what have you read so far that... 
well, makes I, you think that. Everything that came out to date, which amounts to what? Five issues? Spider-Man Family Number 1, Amazing Spider-Man 539, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Sensational Spider-Man. I love Peter David, but I thought the first part of his Back in Black was not... It was a Sandman story. Yeah, I, I, but... I wasn't really feeling that. I, Nock, Nock's art wasn't bad. It was, you know, I mean, we just came off of Sean Chen. So actually, no, I'm sorry. Sean Chen was doing Sensational. So we just came... Who was doing Friendly Neighborhood? Oh, Scott Eaton. Scott Eaton. So, I mean, you went from Scott Eaton to Todd Nock, which isn't necessarily jarring, but it is that, that there are some style differences there. But I wasn't... I wasn't really feeling the story, like you just said. You know, no, and it not was a little off. And it's the is first it, part of a story too, which means we'll have more of the same next issue. I don't know. And then the sensational Spider-Man issue with with Doctor Calvin Zabo. I don't know where the hell they were going with that, and the multiple Spider-Man. And as eh. it, it gets me thinking, if this guy has the power to at least mimic the powers of Spider-Man, why the hell has he never done it before? You know why do have we why haven't we seen multiple Spider Men flipping around Manhattan for years and years and years? Did he just come up with the formula or whatever he has to do? Forget about the Clone Saga. Well, that was good. This I don't know. I, I it's just a hokey plot device, don't you think? Not to take anything away away from Mister Sakaza, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling. It. It's not something that's drawn me in. It's just can, no. You're right. You're yeah. right. It's it's. Especially after Civil War, it's, 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 it's off to a little bit of a shaky start. The, the Spider-Man family story was pretty neat because, well, I didn't, I, I, I like Tarot Bobit's art, and I thought it was a neat little story of like, you know, oh, poor little symbiote, it's homesick, and, and, you know, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad issue. Um, I, I just received Amazing Spider-Man 539, so I'll be reading that. Um, very pro- probably as soon as we're done tonight. I see. I I got a totally different opinion on Spider-Man Family. I, I think okay. the the best thing about it was Amazing Spider-Man 174 with Ross Andrew. Of course you did. That that Spider-Man J. What in the hell are they thinking? I mean, yes, it's Spider-Man related. It's in my opinion, it's a waste of paper. You know, I I'm open to many different art styles and storytelling styles but i just i could not wait to finish that and <laughs> and you know terrell Bo- terrell bobet did a, a a great job on the art and the you know the at least it looked good the first two stories but it was all fluff i mean the black cat uh now these are these are reprints of uh manga the, the, the Spider-Man J is, yeah. yeah. Spider-Man but, J, yeah. And then you had a reprint of an issue of Untold Tales of Spider-Man, which was great. Pat, you see, I can all lift. Yeah, that was really good, but I already own it, which is besides the point. They don't care. Then you had a reprint of Amazing Spider-Man 174 with Ross Andrew, which is a fantastic issue. I already own that, too. And so I spent four ninety nine, which I knew going in, but I, I had to give the book the benefit of the doubt, and I continue to pick it up, hoping that something of import will happen in this title. But so far, it's just it's it's fluffy, it's frilly, it's like. So who do you think the audience is that this book is aimed for? I think the audience is the people who may stumble upon it as a result of the movie. I don't think it's aimed at the hardcore Spider Man reader. No, unless you're but a Spider Man But you know. Right, but you know, here's an example of an anthology. Right, but if you, if you're going to try and lure a longtime comics reader to buy an anthology, the stories I think are only eight to twelve pages, mm-hmm. so they're not extremely weighty. We had a nice little playful romp between 
Black Cat and um, Hellcat, okay. which was like, yeah, okay, I like I like boobs, I like butts, it was all right. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, we had a, a story about the nocturnal habits of the symbiote, which was not in present continuity. It was a, a blast from the past, which was nice to read, but ultimately whatever. And then you had two reprints and a import from Japan for four ninety nine. I, I, I don't know. I, j- I just didn't think that it was either worth my time or my money. There was nothing there that was at all in present continuity. To anything to do yeah. with and yet it had the back and black logo on the front of it just because it involved the symbiote. So, I don't know. Well, you know, that's you know, that's Marvel and that's their promotion machine. Right, you know? right. And I should have known. But once again, I'm complaining and I'm buying it up to the current issue, so whatever. I and you get, paid four ninety nine for that. Well, after before, I mean after discount, discount. No, I paid about whatever. Oh, okay. You know, forty DCBS forty percent off. So, yeah. and I yeah. think I think that first issue was even more. I think it was fifty, wasn't it, David? Probably because they they usually do that to entice you to pick up first issues but, of things. But but do you, do you see this title going on like to twelve issues? No, I mean, no, not at no. The, I mean, you know, as soon as the movie cools off. And no. that this title goes goes away. Sure, I, I'm I'm fairly yeah. certain it will. It, it'll go the way of um, Spider-Man Unlimited. I mean, it lasted for a couple of years, and then you know people were sick of paying upscale prices for stuff they didn't really have to read. Yeah, it was it was half price, two forty nine. Yeah, and Terrell Bobet, while very solid, is a newcomer to the Marvel universe, and that's another thing I got a feel of it that the first two stories were sort of a training ground for new talent. But and. I, I'm of the mind that if you're not gonna you're not gonna put somebody who's learning the ropes on a three issue arc in X Men or Wolverine or the main Spider Man title, you're gonna let them get their feet wet on eight or twelve page stories in these type of anthology books in in, in Spider Man Family or in a backup story in an annual, you know, things like that. Stories that may have some continuity but don't matter with in, in the realm of what's going on right now. I mean it Terrell Bobet's story was a flashback story. It takes place like, you know, bef- after Spider Man two fifty two and and before, you know, ish- Web of Spider Man one. So I mean you have you had, you know, a story that was plucked out of time, it was told today, and that's that. And I have no problem with people learning the ropes, getting their feet wet on stories that, you know, I don't want to say don't matter, but are these types of stories. So this way, you know, you can... Remember DC Showcase? Remember these type of books where you're like, oh, damn, I remember when this, you know... Or or even Eclipse Comics or First Comics where you... Like Munden's Bar, you had somebody who you'd never heard of before do a a three-page backup story. And now they're, you know doing mainstream work on, on, you know, doing a major run on a title, things like that. And I, I enjoy seeing where people got their start. Right, but it's ultimately at the reader's expense. You're funding this guy's training. You can look at it that way, but you, but that's, but then that's on you for being a completist, for buying something. Oh, it says Spider-Man, I gotta buy it. Yeah, that's true. That's why I bought it. But, you know, we get, we, you see Spider-Man Family 3 here, and, you know, he's not a super big name, but you have Leonard Kirk. Mm-hmm. Who does fantastic work? Yeah, who does fantastic work? He was yeah. he, he, you know, agents of Atlas. Mm-hmm. 
and but, upcoming uh, Marvel Adventures Avengers. And that's a reason why the, one of the reasons anyway that the annuals went away in the first place was because they put not so big names on them, and ultimately the buying public said, you know, I don't want to buy a lesser name. I would. I. It would also be neat if instead of having delays, instead of having you know long gaps between issues, give these guys stories to do do inventory stories like they did in the 60s and 70s like the guys down the street did you know what so what you know a lot of the the superman comics that i read growing up were all done in one stories they had practically no continuity from one issue to the next they were they were stories that kurt swan did drew them up real quick written by weisinger written by anybody and they were shoved in julie schwartz's drawer or carmine infantino's drawer and when when you know they needed a story boom it hit the press and, and Superman was out that month. You have, and again with the guys down the street, you have they they complete they gave up on Wonder Woman because the story was taking forever by the creative team. That they just they said, you know what? Then the last chapter of this first arc will come out later, and we're going to get the ball rolling again. They're doing it with Superman. They're, they're doing it with the main titles that, you know. And again, these are the guys down the street. But it makes sense if if you want to have your product out there month in month out. If you want to have an issue on the stands for people to buy, then do that. If if it means that you know Terrell Bobet or Leonard Kirk or someone has to do an inventory story, but hey, you know what? Spider Man comes out that month, so be it. Put a footnote in. This story takes place before blah blah blah. And, and it, it again, it goes back to what we were talking about last week. Get out of that mentality that. Well, no, these six issues have to be consecutive. I don't care how long it takes for each issue to come out because we have to trade this in seven months and sell it in a story that way. Get the damn title out there. Every 30 days, boom, Spider-Man's on the newsstand. Regardless of who the creative team is, the product is out there. People see it. People can buy it. No one can buy a comic if it's not on the stands. Who cares if the creative team is late? What if you have 16 pages of Adam... Is it Adam or Andy Kubert that's on Superman? The one that's late. That's he's on action. Action. Okay. What yeah. if you have sixteen pages of Kubert on action and then you have the rest a backup story? Now the majority of the people, I would think, that are reading the book for that Kubert story are just gonna breeze right past that, that filler in the end. Which is essentially what it is. You're filling up the rest of the book with story to get the book out, which is okay. a noble effort to get the book out on time. But I think ultimately the problem is these guys that are taking way too freaking long to draw. You know, that, when you when you ahead. say inventory story, I mean, just even when you say inventory story, that just screams out to me, this is not going to be cool. This is just going to be, they're just like, like Vince said, it's filler. No, 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 but no, if you, no. Well, go what ahead. about what about Marvel fanfare? I would call those stories inventory stories. You went from one month, George Perez with Black Widow, Frank Miller on Captain America, Michael Golden on Spider Man, Barry yeah, but we got we got Fantastic gotta, Four. Yeah, we got to think had, that they were planning ahead for oh, those, yeah. and those weren't just being dropped into that book because they've had them on the shelf for a while. Who those were sit? meant to go into that quality. Right. That quality was meant to go into that book. But I mean, in the past, David's right. That's what they did. They had a they had a, a reservoir of short stories that they would you know beef up titles that were either running late or not not even running late in danger of running late just to get them out and it, back then it, yeah it was a good idea to do that 
I mean, how many times I picked up an issue of Fantastic Four expecting the latest chapter, and I got a Kirby reprint. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they, they had to do what they had to do because the majority of their sales was from newsstands and subscribers. And if the book wasn't there, they didn't make money. It wasn't like today where you have a rabid fan base of you know a select few that'll wait for this thing. Now I'm talking about the monthly titles. I'm not. I mean, that I I would not think that that would be possible with Civil War. You're not going to put no. You know, you, you, you're not going to put Cary Gamble and you know for Vince Coletta on on issue number three of Civil War. He probably regardless of that he's dead. But, yeah, he you know, probably inks better just, dead. <laughs> but, but you're not going to you're not going to put them in in between two issues that 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 Steve McGiven, Dexter Vines, and Maury Halliwell are working on. Right. Well, one would hope that they would have a a strategy planned out for an event. But I don't know. I I don't think the inventory story is possible in this day and age. I I really... I I would love to to see the books come out on time. They may not not work in this day and age as far as the monthly goes. But I I don't know. I mean, if, if, if Garney was running late for whatever reason, if Bill Reinhold got hurt and could only ink so many pages, okay, so we'll we'll do the first... We'll do the first 12, 11, 12 pages in this issue, and then we'll do that flashback issue of the symbiote by McKeever and Bobit. And next month, if Bill's back on track, or, you know, if we can't get another anchor, then we'll finish the last part of what would have been one issue. Right. And then you can put the Black Hat Hellcat issue uh, storyline in the back of that. I mean, they, they don't have to. Just because you have the story in front of you doesn't mean you have to create a book for that story. You can't hold on to it for an event that you didn't see happening. Right. But remember the Merry Pranksters? When a penciler was running late or wasn't producing at a speed that lended the editors to think that the book was going to get out on time, they would gather together anybody who could ink. And, mm-hmm. and, and piece it out. You know, it doesn't all have to be inked by Bill Reinhold. True. They could I mean, they could give, you know, some to X, Y, and Z and get the freaking book out. Civil War number seven wasn't I mean it was noticeable, but that was mm-hmm. that, that that had that had three different anchors on it. Right. But that's us noticing that. Ultimately I don't think yeah, anyone I know, really cared. I know. The average judge right. could, hey, the comic's out, that's all I care about. I could finish the story now. Yeah, and this also ties into upscale production values on these things. If you got a guy coloring the book that takes just as long to color it as the penciler takes to pencil it, something's wrong. Nobody ever complained about flat color in the 70s. Well, you know what? No one, and aside from getting back to the 70s and the flat color and the upscale production, you had, you had Jack Kirby wearing his number two pencil down to a nub, working on 11 by 17 paper. Actually, he liked, he liked it even on a larger size paper, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very basic, very, you know, very almost Neanderthalic in, in the way that it, it, it it goes today. Now you have people working on Wacom tablets and they do it all on the computer and then they just, they either scan it in or they just email it to the editor and then it gets passed on to, to, to the inker or the colorist or the letterer. Everything's done digitally. You have all these advancements in the technology. And it takes longer. And comics are still running later than they ever have been. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, you have all these shortcuts. Technology is supposed to make your life so much easier. It's like... No, it doesn't. <laughs> No, I mean, I work help desk. I know that. But it's, yeah. like, it's like, why? Then, then you know what? Then go back to paper. 
go, go back to paper and pencil and mail it in. Or you, you also didn't have people that worked on the other side of the world or the other side of the country. You wanted to work for Marvel or DC. You moved your ass to New York. Right. You well, know, it's like, oh, I'm in Chicago, so, you know, to hell with that. I, I can just mail in my work. I think the only thing, the only creator, one of the few that we have today that has the work ethic of the guys in the Silver Age is Mark Bagley. Yes. Never, never late. 110 issue stretch. He is an anomaly as, as far as the other guys are concerned because he produces a shitload of work on time consistently. That just doesn't happen. Look at no. Ethan, Ethan Van Skyver, who does good work, but holy shit, is he slow. Is, yeah. it, is it worth waiting for? Is it worth putting in all those lines to tell a story? On a, you know, I spent a day drawing this splash page that a person is going to flip in probably yeah. 30 seconds or less. And they're probably going to put the caption boxes or the word balloons in the wrong spot. Or, or where I didn't envision it to go. So now my, my, my work is even, you know, ruined in that regard. But no, right. you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it takes you three... It, it's like it's like a movie scene. You know, it takes them like, you know, a better part of a day to set it up. It's an eight-second scene. And, and if it's not important to the movie, no one's going to remember it. It ultimately gets cut if uh, it's not anyway. But there you go. Yeah, Jack knew <laughs> that people read these things. And he knew... Uh, how much time to devote to certain things if he had to fill in a background with a shape that hinted at detail he would do it he wouldn't put the detail in because he knew he had a schedule to complete if these guys are sweating the detail on things that really don't matter does yeah, I mean, you got to remember you got to remember all those scenes where there were absolutely no backgrounds yeah and there's really nothing panels, wrong with, yeah you know and and it and it doesn't really affect the story i mean you you know it's just you have to remember, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Right. You look at like uh like Stewart's work on Next Wave. Right. You know, sometimes I much rather read an art style like that than look at an Alice Ross book. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Because what are you reading energy in it? Right. What are you reading a comic book for in the first place? Are you are you reading a comic book to look at a nice bunch of pictures that are well created? Or are you indulging in this little periodical for the story? That's what you're reading it for, the story. The art is telling the story true, but ultimately you're reading it because you want to experience the story. And I think a lot of the guys today are not thinking in terms of story. They're very good at what they do, but let's just tell the story. You got to remember also with Jack is that, you know, there may not have been backgrounds in some of the panels in Fantastic Four. But that could also be because he was also working on Avengers and, and Thor yeah. and Hulk. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. you know, so yeah. you had you had oh, him yeah. knocking, but you had him knocking out most of the books Marvel was putting out. You know, the books that Ditko or Heck or or you know Ramita wasn't working on. And Gene. Kirby was working on, but then you have guy or Gene, and yeah. then you have guys like you know like Stewart who's only working on one book. Bagley was only working on one book. Laroca, you know, and, yeah, these guys are only working on one book and. I, I don't, with the exception of Bagley, you're still... Who did two in some months. Exa- yeah, yep. even even mm-hmm. before Ultimate Spider-Man, when he was working on, on Amazing with yep. Nicolini... Double ship. You had you had the summer months. It was like, you know, there were three Spider... There were six Spider-Man books coming out in three months, and they had some of their neat little, um, you know, ev- you know mini events, like you had Round Robin, Sidekicks Revenge, and, and that was, you know, during one summer, that was six issues, boom, and he did the art in that. And then after that was done, maybe Larson did an issue. But for the most part, you know, you just, 
it was Bagley's three through one amazing, and now he's been knocking him out on Ultimate. So I think that I think some artists are just afraid to do something simple, and they I think they're afraid that they might be uh, you know left out of the market if they simplify their work. It works if for they don't make it photorealistic like yeah. this, you know, like this crazy trend is right now, you know. Uh. Like you know, the art and the story needs to need to work together. It needs to be worked together in concert. Right. You know, it doesn't need to be complicated. It works for Romita Junior. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. It also and, you helps know, if it's sequential. You don't want you don't want page after page of pinups. Yes. Right. And there's a reason why Romita Junior gets it out on time every time. He's he's very detailed, but he doesn't sweat the small stuff. Well. <laughs> Ramita, I think, could also be an anomaly because he had a great upbringing. He, I mean, he, he, well, yeah, he, he lived in it, he bathed in it. I mean, he couldn't, you couldn't escape it. He, Ramita Jr. was not going to grow up to be a dentist. You know, he, I think his life was pretty much mapped out for him, whether it was an intentional or not. I don't think, I don't think Daddy pushed him into anything, but I don't think, well, I don't think the three of us, if if we grew up in that environment. You know damn well you're picking up a pencil. You know what you're yeah. going to be doing for a career. Right. Yeah. If you there's but he a he has great, that work ethic. He just knows. Yeah. There's a great interview in the last um, rough stuff with uh, him. It's really good. And he he has a habit of saying that his style is a style that gets the work done on time. It's a deadline style. Yeah. And, exactly. and and he's and he's he's exactly right. There's a reason why Art Adams does not work on a monthly book because he can't handle it. He's way too right. detailed. What, what did he do on uh, America's Best Stories? What was that? Um, Tom name? Strong. Tom or? Strong. Uh, Tales of uh, Tom Strong or whatever. He did that uh, Johnny Future story. That was like, what, 8 to 12 pages max because that's what he can handle. And that's fine for Art, Art Adams. But if you're like an Ethan Van Skyver or, uh, some, or like a Jeff Darrow, can you imagine Jeff Darrow doing a monthly book? It's not going to happen. No, no. And, and I mean, Mignola does. Mignola knows. Mike Mignola knows he's not going to put out a monthly book, which is why Hellboy comes out in those like miniseries type books. You know, it's just like you know, when 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 I can tell my story, when my story is done, I'll release the issues, and they come out as miniseries, which is a great model. You know, whether it comes out as a miniseries or it comes out in one volume as a graphic novel or a trade paperback or anything like that. That's that can be a way to go also you don't like you said last week Vince if, if you want you know if you, if you just instead of putting out like three or four issues bound it together give it to me in one volume if yeah. it's a standalone story if it's if it's not tied into any sort of event if you just have a story about the Fantastic Four or Wolverine or somebody that you want to tell and you know you can't put out 22 pages over the course of however many months the story is supposed to take Wait till they're all together. Put out ninety-six pages in one volume, and, and and I'll read it that way. Yeah, that or you know, just hell, just change the timeline of the book coming out. Yeah, you know, assess what the artist can do, and then put it out on a realistic schedule. Right. Yeah. They had to have known that the Dodsons were not going to be able to produce Wonder Woman on a timely basis. Yeah. Well, see, I don't even know if we can only blame the Dodsons on that because Heinberg is not exactly. <laughs> speediest writer either i mean you had and that's fine comics aren't his bread and butter but then you know what then don't give him a high profile book like wonder woman let him or do the a young wonder woman backup stories and the young avengers is his book i can understand that you know when he's ready for it he'll come back to it but i mean how long did it take for those 12 issues to come out yeah. right but on the on the opposite um viewpoint if 
you have created these characters that comic fans want to see more. Is it fair that the publisher wait around and not utilize these characters just because they've deemed this book your book? No. No, you know, I think I think Marvel should hop on the Young Avengers and start oh, doing yeah. something with them. Because you know? with every month that goes by, they're forgetting how good Young Avengers was. Mm-hmm. People who, who, who bought the book, and it was fantastic. But, you know, the longer you wait, it's that, that soup's going to get cold. Nobody's going to want to eat it. How about that? Did you like that? Yeah, and then everyone's going to like wonder... <laughs> and then everyone's going to wonder, like, what the hell they've been doing since the end of issue 12. Yeah, is it, is it, is it so, real you know, time? Is it, you know, like, going to have yeah. flashbacks? You know, maybe if it's, not, if it's not picked up on in any of the Avengers books or the Initiative, maybe Brubaker can at least pick up with Patriot and his grandfather. Yeah. Because I just finished reading The Truth, and we're not going to get into that tonight, but I would love to see more of Isaiah Bradley. And... We saw him briefly in in the crew. We really haven't seen him since. So, and I, I only read the first six issues of, of Young Avengers. I, I have the first trade, so I don't know if, if he appeared in the last six issues of the title. But you know, after um, after uh, what was it Winter Soldier, Winter Kills? I mean, and and Civil War. When was the last time we saw Patriot? You know what? There was this perfect setup in that Winter Soldier story. Where it's just like, could you imagine him taking the Young Avengers under his wing? It would just be... That could happen. Yeah. yeah. I know no idea what Brubaker's got. No. I don't know if Brubaker... Well, he's writing He's writing on Candy X-Men, so I don't, I don't want to say anything about whether or not he can write a, a group, a team book, but... Um, Damn well. I mean, well. it's those, char- those characters are just sitting out there. Yep. Yeah. No one's using them, and it was a great 12-issue run. Bring them back in. Get someone yeah. else to... I mean, we saw them in Young Avengers Runaways, but yeah. that's not good enough. I mean, it was it was yeah. a good, it was a good miniseries. I enjoyed it a lot, but I want to see the level of Young Avengers that we've been accustomed to, which was I wrote a, that David Hine for for a miniseries that was essentially generated to make more money off another miniseries. It it was exceptionally well done, and and that's an anomaly. But uh, we need to see more young Avengers. By the time we see them, you know, half the team's going to be they're going to be young. They're going to be pregnant, <laughs> you know, living in trailer park. Oh, Zeb Wells. I'm sorry, that's who wrote uh, Young Avengers Runaways. Yep. Yeah, and then, and then it won't sell because nobody wants to see an unattractive superhero team. I'm chatting with Mr. Andy Parks. Uh, he has inked such titles as Green Arrow and Nightwing, and he's currently working on The Irredeemable Ant-Man for Marvel. He also wrote two uh, great historical fiction-style graphic novels in uh, Union Station and Capote in Kansas. And you have another book coming up called Red Planet? Almost. It's called Blood Red. Blood Red. See, I'm, tr- uh, see, I'm screwed up. <laughs> so, Andy, uh, you're, uh, I consider you to be one of the best anchors in the business. I've seen you work with guys like Tony Moore and Phil Hester. And, uh, you know, they, they have completely different styles, yet somehow, some way, you, uh, you're, you're able to ink them and you don't, you know, you don't take over the page and, you know, you can, we know it's you inking it, but you don't, you know, you don't overwhelm us with your work. How do you adapt with other people and how do you approach, you know, each individual person's work? That's, um, that's a nice compliment. I appreciate it. It, I've always wanted to be an adaptable guy. Like, my hero, when I started getting into inking, was Dick Giordano, who was that kind of guy who didn't overwhelm anybody but he could he could kind of work with any penciler mm-hmm. and and try to pick up on the penciler's strengths 
and maybe help them out where they might have some shortcomings without redrawing this stuff. Um, also, I don't have a really strong drawing style of my own, so I'm not, and that's probably a little bit of a detriment. I, I'm not going to get work because people go, oh, I want that Andy Parks style. You know, like they go to Kevin Nolan, they know what they're going to get. They go to Jerry Ordway, a guy like that, Tom Palmer, they know what they're going to get. With me, I think they have to just think he's going to do okay by the penciler and he's going to give us something that's readable and solid. So, um, and actually, inking Tony Moore for me has been really good because I inked so, Phil, so much of Phil Hester over the last few years. I think a lot of people think that is my inking style. And it's been good to show them that I'm not really one thing. I can be flexible and work with other guys, you know, and adapt myself to whoever the penciler is. Yeah, Phil has very distinct, very, I guess, very bold style, and then Tony has a very hyper detailed style. So like you see, like you know, how you can really switch styles like that, and you know, just uh, work with other people. I mean, imagine this, it must be a bitch inking those roaches. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun. Yeah, it's easy for the writer to write. Uh, there's a swarm of a million roaches descending on our heroes. It's a little more of a pain in the ass to ink it. I can only imagine that it's probably worse if you're you know, if you're really there. And uh, <laughs> and uh, what type of materials do you use? Are like, I mean, when you approach a page, I mean, regardless of who the artist is, like, do you have like a certain way of doing things? Like, do you like black stuff? You know, blot out the blacks first, or do you uh, do you go through the fine lines? And how do you approach each page you work on? I, I usually do the same thing. There might be a, a penciler that would make me kind of change the approach, but usually I go through the page with a pen, either Hunt 102, or these days I use a German pen point called the Brouse uh, 501, which is a little more flexible than 102. And I go through and kind of establish the main figure contour line weights. Like I go around the outside of the figure and kind of determine how I want those line weights to work. And once I set up what I think are the key elements of the page and how heavy those line weights are going to be, they serve as an anchor and and establish how the line weights are going to work on the rest of the page. Like I know if, if Captain America's arm in the foreground here is a certain line weight, I can't have the coffee cup on the side of the panel be the same line weight and fighting for your attention. So once I establish what I want to pop, then everything else kind of works out there. So then I keep going through the page, inking whatever I need to with the pen, fine detail, sharp, crisp, smooth lines, stuff like that. I try to leave myself as much as I can to do with the brush in the last stage, because with the brush, I can be more spontaneous and just kind of slash around the page, spot blacks where I think I need to, or beef up some more line weights, or add a brushy, dry brush texture, or something like that. So I pretty much start with the pen, work backwards into the brush, where I, and that's more fun for me when I get to kind of hack around the page with the brush. You mentioned to me uh, some time back uh, online that uh, you rarely reuse brushes anymore. Uh, Why's that? And uh, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned that you more you use pens a lot more. Yeah, I I used at, at different times in my career I've been a complete brush guy, an anti-brush guy. It just kind of depends on what style I'm going for. Um, Years ago when I inked Wonder Woman, I was thinking kind of an Adam Hughes clone guy, so we, I tried to be as brushy and clean as possible. On Ant-Man, well, on Nightwing, I used quite a bit of brush, and on Ant-Man, we decided we wanted a kind of a new look, kind of a more technical, super clean look. So I've hardly been using any brush at all on that book. and. It's okay, that's kind of the look we established. I'm really happy using a brush, but because I don't do it as much as I used to, I don't have the control I used to. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't ink everything with a brush. Like I can't, If I start trying to ink super fine details with it, 
it's too frustrating or I blo you know the stuff doesn't get as detailed as it should be so I'm happy using a brush I just not at this stage of my career I'm not doing it as much as I as I used to yeah Okay. Let's jump on to your writing. Uh, you um, first, your first two graphic novels have been uh, mostly based on historical fiction. Uh, what is it about historical fiction that really grabs you and gets you know what makes you want to you know explore or you know or I guess uh, come up with your own conclusions to what happened in you know these time periods? Uh, what what entices you and are you like sticking with that sort of for, you know that's that genre or are you ex you're expanding to other things as well? Well, historical fiction. It fits my interests and it fits my skill set, I think. I've always been a guy who read biographies and read nonfiction books, and I'm really interested in history. I also, because of that, I like doing the research, and I like finding a way to incorporate real events into a theme that serves a story that I want to tell. So, like, if I approach something like Capote in Kansas, the first idea is, what was it like for Truman Capote to come to Kansas and try to talk to people? being an outsider and so on and then my theme is that great art requires great sacrifice and that this whole process took a lot out of him mm -hmm. so then in service to that theme I go do all the research mm -hmm. and find out how I can get those two things to work together and that just I just find that interesting and I kind of had to decide after those two books I'm either going to go that way and I'm going to be the historical fiction guy mm -hmm or I'm going to try to diversify and surprise people a little bit. And that's what I would rather do. I'd rather try to surprise people a little bit with each project. So my next thing, like you mentioned Blood Red, is a revenge tale set on Mars in the future. So there's no historical fiction element at all. It's more of a sci-fi, noir kind of thing. But there is still, you know, there's research to be done about what life on Mars might be like if people live there and so on. There's still some of that involved. I just don't want to get pigeonholed as the guy that just does that one thing. I want to be able to be a little more flexible. Very cool. So uh, besides the Blood Red and uh, Exterminators and Ant-Man, do you have any other projects you'd like to promote or mention here that people should look out for? I should say, I should mention the Postcards Anthology. I wrote a short story for this great anthology where a guy went and tracked down all these old postcards from the 20s or the 40s that were actually written and sent to people. And he gave each of, a, of the authors one of these postcards and we wrote stories about them. So I wrote a story about somebody who's having money problems. and uh, It's just a short thing, but I'm really proud of it. And a great artist named Joseph Bergen. And uh, that actually got picked up by some division of Random House. So that's... Uh, really art pu uh, yeah, publishing. Yeah, right, right. So that'll be out, I don't know, in the next couple months, I think, maybe? I think so, yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, that's, that sounds really cool. I know uh, Phil's involved with that one. Right. Uh, I know a couple of guys, uh, Tony Fleeks, uh, Jason Jason Rodriguez is actually editing the right, project. Right. And uh, guys like Joshua Fialkov are in that, too. Okay. So I got that coming out on the writing front. Um, I'm inking a little Jeremy Hahn, Captain America, Marvel Comics Presents thing now. And the other writing stuff is kind of, I got a lot of stuff in the works, but it's kind of too early to hype. So just look out for the name. It'll be out there. Very cool. And if you need to uh, check out Andy Parks online, he's on andyparks.com. Andy spelled with an E at the end, by the way. And willflipson.com. Willflipson.com is a funny uh, comedy podcast. Uh, you get to listen to Andy throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My finest moment. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Andy. Uh, we love your work, and uh, thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure. How about... Uh, JLA, so... Anyway, how about, um... Annihilation. How about that...
How about that previews catalog? Yeah, Annihilation Conquest looks awesome. If these sketches by uh, Djurjevic are any indication, this is going to be one fantastic book. It's a nice redesign I'm, I'm, on the Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah. Well, the, the image that I'm looking at is the prologue. And I'm glad to see Mike Perkins doing the art on it. Mm-hmm. Which you get to see none of, but that's okay. Yep. Well, yeah, I'm just, I mean, the last time we saw Perkins, aside from the other, every other Captain America arc, is Union Jack, and he did a very good job. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. And this cover by Alexi Bricklot. Yep. Uh, don't know him, but I guess he does World of Warcraft stuff. Man, that's a strong image. That's really sharp. And then, you know, Jurjevic has. An amazing style. Get this guy on interiors. I want to see what he's capable of. He 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 does great covers, but what could this guy do if he had twenty-two pages to play with? Yeah, this wraith is pretty cool too. Designed everything right down to the freaking holster. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. There's a nice man with no name quality. Oh yeah. To him. Yep. He just needs a little um, tiny cigar sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> He'd have it. What else do we got? I'm going to order the Avengers Handbook because I'm dumb that way. I, I, I can't. Uh, s- I'm dumb too. Yeah, I, I can't say no to a handbook. <laughs> Did you ever finish oh, one? handbook. I'm sorry. I thought you were. Um, <laughs> Je- Jefferson, have you ever finished a handbook cover to cover? No. I keep buying them and I <laughs> Not never. since the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I never finish them. I, I tend to read like the heroes that I want to read or the, right. about the things that I want to read, and then it's like, oh, I'll read that one later. No. Never. <laughs> I, I bought the, the flashback ones, like the 60s and the 70s. The and 80s the, Legacy Handbook I have. Yeah. I finished that. I, and like you, I read about 60% of it, and then I put it away. Sorry, but I still buy them because handbooks yep. are just cool. Anybody uh, interested in Daredevil, Batlin, Jack Murdoch? No. I, that's the they one... Don't. Don't hesitate. No, that's one of the ones I'm passing on. I don't know why. It just I, I mean, ha- just well. I, first of all, three ninety nine. But I have a feeling that's I guess because of the cardstock cover. But if if I like what I see as I flip through it, I'll probably wait for the trade. It is, you know, I mean, it's it's nice to see Daredevil getting getting all this love, especially with the with Brubaker right in the main story. But um, you know, you you don't get to see too much of the man's father except whenever Matt talks about him or from Daredevil Yellow things like that. Yeah, I think I've read enough about his father in in the Frank Miller stories to okay. k- kind of get the complete picture. I don't, you know, how many more wrinkles can they put on it? But it could be a surprise, yeah. you know. I don't know. It's just like reading like do you want to read a whole comic book about Uncle Ben? I mean, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't know, you know, Uncle when ben I look Gigolo. at that that's <laughs> when I look at that, that's what I feel. You know, it's just like, gosh, I know what his point, what his purpose in the origin of Daredevil was. Right. You know, I don't think I need to go any farther. He has more purpose in death than he ever did alive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you know, don't write it off without actually yeah. looking at the first issue. It may be very surprisingly good. Yeah. We'll see. And something else that's surprisingly good is Black Panther. Yikes! I've been telling you guys about. That. I know, no. I, but I, you see, I, I I put some effort into it. Please forgive us. I read the first <laughs> six issues, and you know, despite John Romita Jr.'s artwork, yeah, whatever, it didn't really do anything but for me. But this current 
run that he's got yep. with the, and the forthcoming Marvel zombies. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's brilliant that they would fold it over into the Marvel zombies um, storyline. It's one of the best books to do it in too, because Black Panther, in my opinion, was one of the strongest characters in Marvel Zombies, and you get Arthur Sudam covers. Yep. Look at that. Susie's got her. You know, she's working it, and she's freaking dead. <laughs> she's working it, and she's dead. <laughs> she's dead, and she's still giving it a little jiggle. Yummy. Plus, you know, it's also sort of weaving into the Fantastic Four too. So yeah, it's a nice package. I w- yes, it is. <laughs> I would think that her her uh, I mean, if you're dead, doesn't the uh, the fat and the other stuff in your breasts like kind of get absorbed into your body? I mean, she looks hot. Otherwise, you know, now you got to get get going all realistic on this. <laughs> yeah. It's the fantasy. Let's move on. Now, talking about zombies, how about that Captain America figure in the back of the book? Yeah, I so, s- the, I love the fact that you can pull his head, the, his skull cap off. Because, there you go, yeah. I Put a jelly bean in there. I would have bought that in a second, but it's a little too expensive when you factor in all the other books that I'm getting for the month. Yeah. Yeah, for a, a, an action... That's part of that $200 uh, price tag that's on mine. From, did you get the Spider-Man too? No, I just got... I'm just getting the Cap one, because uh, I love Cap, so... Even in death. <laughs> even in death. That's right, baby. And the cover of Fantastic Four 547 is not a bad turner. Yes, Susie's looking yeah. a lot like Supergirl, but... All I in- don't know if we can all... I, I don't know if we can say that that's a pretty good turner cover, or if that's a pretty good job that the colorist did. Right. But either way, it's not as... It's you not know. as gruesome as 544 with thing as Great Bait. Yeah. <laughs> or Bad Rock or whoever else you want to call him. Right. That, you know, you're right. But <laughs> Frankenstein Jr. There we go. Or Frankenberry. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Dwayne McDuffie's doing a fantastic job in just two issues. Just really, was, yeah. really great I stuff. I haven't read my issues yet. I just got them today, so I'm eager. Yeah. The, the anniversary issue was exceptionally well done. I, I really liked the Paul Pope story. Oh, yeah, that was great. Really, yeah. I liked that a lot. And um, Crystal was in it. Yeah. McDuffie broke it down for everyone, pretty much, to, uh, you know, if you're it new. It was a neat recap of, yeah. right, exactly, if you're new. It, it was a neat recap of the family, of what kind of going on. I, I love seeing, you know, um, I love it when they, early on in the story, the newscast, the, the news was talking to um one of the people that were in charge at the base who's now working like security at like Sam's Club or Walmart. Yeah. I think he was a greeter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a really good issue and usually whenever I encounter flashbacks on the Fantastic Four in terms of their history, I always like, yeah, okay, let's get this over with because we've we've lived it. But this wasn't it didn't seem like that to me. I actually enjoyed the flashbacks, which was you know pretty cool. And and since you you know, since we're really not keen on judging a book by its cover, I'm glad we didn't with this one. Yeah, because the exterior really didn't give no. any indication of, of the gem that was inside. That, yeah. that was not one of Granoff's best moments. No, I, I I did I to tell you the truth, I thought it was a Don Simpson because <laughs> <laughs> that thing like for Megaton, man, that that thing is looking man. he's looking like the yarn man on that cover. <laughs> Ah, uh, whatever. 
<laughs> and, and, and here we'll stumble upon my second thing that pissed me off about this catalog, that they blew the ending to Planet Hulk. Page for, 35? Yes, they blew the ending <laughs> just for the sake of a friggin' I'm advertisement. I don't have the magazine then. Yes, don't look at it. If if you have any interest in reading Planet Hulk, stay away from this previous catalog. Of course I do. Well, I mean, you as in everybody who hears my crappy voice. Oh, oh generally you. Because they basically lay the whole story out. And if you're reading Planet Hulk, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to put two and two together and realize that there are going to be other reasons why the Hulk is pissed off. Not only to come back and F up with the Illuminati's day, he's going to be pissed off for another reason, too. And that's the thing that made me mad. That, you know, they didn't come out and say it, but intelligent people would figure it out. Don't do that. Please don't do that. I mean, you don't need to tell the story before it's published. It's just, it's just it has no respect for the readers at all. I've, we've read Planet Hulk for what? At least 12 issues, probably, you know, 14 by the time it's done. So you don't, it's like the idiot in line at the movie theater who's telling the ending to a movie he saw last week. Shut the fuck up. Well, and and this is a, and these are the same people that gave us all those neat little classified shield and shield personnel only tags over yeah. the solicits for items that were related to civil war. Right. There w- man, I would like to see a big green thumbprint over the last the last <laughs> <Big foot. laughs> yeah, or something like a a big green middle finger over the last two boxes <laughs> on this page that, you know, no, we're not going to give away the ending, but they did. And it's coming from the publisher. It's not a you know a pinhead on Newsarama who's acting cool, <laughs> telling people how this thing ends. It this is straight from Marvel. It doesn't make any sense, and it's very stupid to do this. But anyway, I'm on board for all of the Planet Hulk, the World War Hulk issues, every one of them. Because we're looking uh, at what like 35 comics altogether. I think in that neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad that they're bringing Frontline back because that was one of the high points of Civil War, and yes. and I hope that this magazine continues to to do the same, and it should because it's by the same creative team. Man, I mean, Sally Floyd's going to be in it. I hope so. Yeah, uh, they are. Damn it. Yep. Um, I just hope that the last four pages of the first issue are not um, a <laughs> rendition <laughs> of it's it's not easy being green, you know. <laughs> Coupled with yeah, pictures of the Hulk looking sad in a field of poppies. (laughs) Don't do that. But I'm there. Uh, You know, it could it could cross over into every Marvel book, and I would buy it. I I think I'm. I'd like. I'm I'm leaning towards getting all the single issues, but I'm getting Planet Hulk in a hardcover. So I'm like, I'm like, should I just wait and see what they collect when World War Hulk is done, or should I just go after the single issues? Yeah. It's a no-brainer for me because I buy most of the comics that it tr- crosses over into anyway, with the exception of Heroes for Hire. Until now. I think, yeah. I think, you know, I'm a little burnt out on the events, but I still am going to get the front line along with the Hulk. But I think I, I could never wait for this. This is, looks like it's such a big story that I've got to read it when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait. You know what it's going to be. It's just going to be Hulk smash in every one of these issues. It's not going to have the import of Wolverine in Civil War or, say, Black Panther. You're not going to get a tidbit that's going to change the course of the story. It's just going to be mindless, I'm I'm assuming, just mindless Hulk violence, which is okay with me. 
I think there's going to be a little bit more to it, but it's going to be a nice um, it's going to be a nice switch from all the heaviness we've been dealing with right the last year. You know? yeah. We're being taken out of the allegorical Civil War, Patriot Act, Guantanamo Bay, real world things, and we're being pushed into just uh, WWF. Does that still exist? Yep. It's the WWE now. Sorry, WWE. I was, Unless you, know, you mean the World Wildlife Fund. No, I was a letter away. I Like I said last episode, looking at the Ant-Man solicitation, they made the right choice in putting out the Ant-Man Digest. I believe that that was the way to go. Yeah, I uh, asked uh, one of the Marvel's editors about that uh, with the digest. What did he say? I wasn't getting that. I wasn't getting that in single issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing it the same way uh, that they did the approach to the Runaways with the digest. They're hoping that at the lower cost, they'll be able to track people to start getting the single issues. And what do you call that approach? Smart. That's what it is. Yep. It's freaking smart. You lose a little bit of uh, green on the low cover price in terms of uh, per issue, but in the long run, you probably uh, recruit a, uh, a nice amount of readers in the in the process. So yeah, I, I see nothing yeah, wrong and, with that. You know, and through DCBS, it's like four ninety nine. Yeah, isn't that How cool? How could you beat that? You know, How could you beat that? I'm tempted to get it, <laughs> even though I own all the singles. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> How about Magic, Mystic Arcana, Magic? How about who's 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 co-writing it? Louise. I have not seen Wheezy's name in the credits in some time. Yeah, it's been a long while. More power to her. She was good on the book she did. Hell yeah, she was great on New Mutant. She was great on co-creator Power Pack, baby. Yeah, and she's a nice woman. Yes, she is. She's. You, know, you can't you can't be a meanie if you're married to Walt. Right. I think, think they're having a different writer on each series because I know Jeff Parker is writing the one about Wanda. That's cool. That, that, that makes sense. That's a, cool. A selection of 40-page one-shots. I don't know if they're all going to be 40 pages, but this is 40 pages yeah. for two ninety nine, And the art doesn't look so bad. I like it. It serves the purpose. Let's put it that way. That's nice. Yeah. I don't think Army of Darkness needs any kind of push from us, the Marvel Zombies. I think that's going to sell just fine on its own. Yeah, yeah, regardless. How about that shot of Ms. Marvel? Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. It's called Look at, <laughs> look at My Boobies. And then Simon Williams does. Yeah. Well, he had a chance with her in the uh, Ms. Marvel special. They were getting kind of close. Well, according to the solicit, she, um, uh, let's see, she might want to date him, but can she stop him from killing her? And it's, uh, it's all about Modoc interfering between a lover's (laughs) quarrel. And oh, that right there means I can miss the issue. <laughs> oh God! You know what? I hope they hook up because, as we all know, when when a man finally hooks a, a good woman, her influence is felt in the way he dresses. Get that <laughs> damn safari jacket off! <laughs> oh, what you want him to go back to the to, to the navy blue with the big red W? No, I like the. No, I uh, want him back to the green. That's right. That's right. Hey, with the antenna ears and the, and the funky glasses. Yes! There's nothing wrong with that costume. That's awesome. When I started I, reading Avengers, he was in that costume. Yeah. With the quilted midsection? That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, if, and, and, if they ever. He wearing like the Majors rejects from the Fall Guy. <laughs> if they ever have a spill, Wonder Man's there to be the quicker picker upper. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I like this cover on Mighty Avengers number four. I like it a lot. I'm liking Mighty Avengers, period, man. Yeah. That is a great fucking book. Speaking of Ms. Marvel's booty, has anyone seen the preview pages from Irredeemable Ant-Man where he's, he's riding on her sash? Yes. That, I mean, Vin, Vince's dream come, oh, come to fruition. I wouldn't be riding on the sash, buddy. <laughs> no, I'd be somewhere else. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is anybody getting New Warriors number one? Nice. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm going to buy it, but because I have a habit of well, once I I jump into a universe, I read as much as I can, so I'm getting it. But it's Paco Medina. I'll follow mm-hmm. him from uh, New X Men over to this. I don't know who Kevin Grivois is. He's an actor. That sounds familiar. Oh, that's right. He was. He uh, he's one of Big the creators of Underworld. Dude. Yep, he's uh, <laughs> that's very nice. He, 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 um, he's a big black dude. <laughs> he he is, like, and he's got the he has got a deep fucking voice. He's really, like of, he's like the opposite yes. of Maxim Glory. He's all tall and big. The um, now what's Underworld? What is that? It's the movie with Kate Beckinsale mo- the w- and the vampires the... versus werewolves. Oh, yeah. didn't didn't see them. You didn't. Yeah. No, Man. no. He's got a. Um, he's he also. He, he's got. A, he, he had some comics coming out under the uh, alias imprint, uh, alias publishing before they went all Christian. Oh, really? Yeah, he had. He, he he's he's a writer. Actually, there's. I think they came out last summer. I still have them at the LCS. One of them. I'll. I'll um, <laughs> Must when be. I, when I have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just, nice. well, because it's like it's like I just I haven't you know everything else that I want to read I have to read for the show so it's like you know well all right so that I can wait on that I can wait on so it's still there waiting for me but see he just let you right. keep him in his box huh pretty soon you won't wow. even you won't even buy him and and no the, really because I I'm the only I'm he he ordered them because. I ordered them. It's not like he put right. them out on the shelf. No one else right. in the store is going to buy them. So <laughs> I, boy, I'm it. really looking forward to this new Warriors number one now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about the LCS, not about the writer. Right. <sighs> Christ, it's getting cut too. No, that. <laughs> no, it's getting cut. God damn it. Okay. But, you know, see, that's the problem with me. I go through the previous catalog, both the Marvel and the main previous catalog, and nothing interests me besides Marvel. Is that bad? No. Now, I, I, should, the... I shouldn't say that. Image does interest me. I, I buy a lot of Image books. But for the most part, I, I, just, I read the Marvel catalog, I look at the Image section of the big catalog, and I don't look at anything else. I go through the entire thing, but honestly, it's... You know, once I kind of do the Marvel deal, and there's a little bit of DC that I get, and uh, some image, but really it's Marvel is the bulk of my stuff. Do you think the publishers have a strategy where they try and inject as many books into the marketplace as possible to get you to get into that mindset? Like, I'm going to try New Warriors number one, which means... That two ninety nine I would have spent on say Shadow Pact is you know I have to decide whether I want to read this or something from a competitor. Do you think that's maybe you know they have a nice way of saying you don't have to read all our books, but really there is something about that fence that I think it's it, it, they are trying to get they are trying to envelop you into the world, right? Into well, their world, right? You know? And and it's 
it's all about comfort. You, you're familiar. You mm-hmm. feel comfortable in the Marvel Universe. Are you going to step out of your comfort zone and try something else like Shadow Pact or any other title? Or are you going to stick with what you know? And yet, it, it may be a first issue, but it's still set in a universe that you like to play in. Right. I mean, and people it, and say, there's got to well, be Jeff, something there to interest you. Yeah. I know people have asked me, it's like, why don't you read anything else? It's like, I don't know, Marvel Universe. It's like, that, those are the first comics I picked up. It's the, right. it's the cool universe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's not... Where all the cool cats Yeah, it, it's not the legacy universe where, you know, we're all related Whatever. It's cosmic, man. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think maybe that there's a component involved in this that wants to suck you in and, and make... Does the world need a new Warriors book? I don't even think at the height of its popularity it sold very well. No. So, I don't no, know. But Marvel needs a few more gold coins in there. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> let's be honest. We do need a young superhero team in the Marvel Universe. We need new faces, which... Young Avengers could have filled this niche very nicely, but instead we get... And I think Young Avengers would have sold more or yeah. better. Wouldn't it have been cool if the Young Avengers were in the position of the New Warriors in Civil War Number 1? That's where they should be. You know, sp- <laughs> Blown up and dead? Yeah, speed, Speedball <laughs> needed a little bit of tweaking, but they didn't have to die. Maybe just one of yeah. them could have died. Uh, he needed a little bit of tweaking, but and he's, you know, to, to go against the majority i think he's infinitely more interesting as penance than he ever was as speedball so I agree with you. He, he traded up there but imagine if the the new the uh, young avengers were in that role that would have been really cool and we lost say stature because we really don't need another giant woman we got to no but you you couldn't you couldn't kill stature because shit you know, they killed her father already they we got, do need a giant woman well, there are they killed s- their father, I, and they, they already killed. I maybe killed maybe Goliath, so. I need a giant woman. <laughs> there there are certain instances where a giant woman is not something you would want to say no to. But no, well. <laughs> yeah, she gets up and like men fall out of the folds of her belly and stuff. What the hell? <laughs> I'm speaking with writer Brian Reed, who co-writes the. New Avengers Illuminati miniseries with Brian Bendis, and he writes Miss Marvel every month from uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, Brian, uh, how are you enjoying the show so far? It's a very good show. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's uh, nice and busy this year. All right. Well, you uh, first came into comics, actually, after doing some work on the Ultimate Spider-Man video game, and uh, you crossed over from video games into comics. Uh, how is that like? Uh, how, is the, how is the process like for you? I, it was uh, it's that old joke that nobody gets into the the comics industry the same way twice and uh-huh. so that was my hole in like I found my way into the castle it was just uh, I had written a story for the Ultimate Spider-Man game before we hired Bendis and when he uh-huh. came on he liked what he saw and we kind of uh, organically grew from that okay. and uh, yep got me where I am now so. okay. well you mentioned Bendis uh, you guys collaborate on uh, Illuminati how does that how does that process work I mean do you guys just uh, do you guys pass the script around to each other or does one person write the script and then the other person you know just uh, works over it a bit like how do you how did you guys uh, what's how do you guys work on the script where you guys you know are both obviously collaborating on it uh, what we do is uh, we get on Xbox live we fire up uh, Call of Duty 2 <laughs> we 
shoot each other for three or four hours, and then we like have a two-second conversation of, oh, hey, I think in this issue we should do X, Y, Z. Okay. <laughs> and then what happens is one of us goes off and writes uh, and we, our conversation is longer than that, but uh, one of us goes off and writes a first draft of the script, and uh, sometimes that thing goes through almost intact. The other one kind of does dialogue polishes. Other times, the other one rewrites three quarters of it. Uh, I was mentioning to you before this, uh, the Illuminati 2 was, you know, we constantly rewrote that issue almost from page one, both of us. <laughs> would, like, take the other one's draft and go, no, 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 do it like this. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, issue to issue, it's different. Uh, issue uh, issue three was pretty quick and straightforward. I think there was one scene we kind of changed a lot. And issue four has been, like, it's going to go through just about the way it started. Like, we, we kind of had the idea, and it was kind of perfect when it was first written, and we're just kind of doing dialogue polishes. So it's it's both ends of the spectrum. That's awesome. And uh, working on uh, how much harder is it to work for comics compared to video games, or how much, or which is easier for you, actually? Uh, video games is a pain, because when you're writing it, you've got to worry about, you know, what if the player goes down the left hallway instead of the right? What if the player kills this guy instead of saves him? And you've got to always write, like, all these alternate versions of your story and all these alternate versions of your dialogue. And comics, you kind of sit down and you tell the story you want to tell, and you can do it on any scale you want, and as long as an artist can draw the picture, you can tell the story. And you don't, like, video games, you got to worry about, you know, do the artists have time to build the 3D models? Do the programmers have time to make the physics work? And, you know, it's like, it's you don't have that with comics. With comics, it's like this really pure, here's my story idea, there it is on the page. And it's very nice. Excellent. So, uh, you have anything you want to plug? Uh, you have Miss Marvel, which comes out every month, and uh, New Avengers Illuminati, which comes out whenever they want to bring it out. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else coming up that you'd like to uh, promote? Uh, you're going to be the first person I tell this to. Okay. Uh, this fall, Image Comics, there's going to be a new book coming. Uh, we're going to do a proper announcement sometime in July, but there's going to be something coming this fall, uh, about September. All right. So, <laughs> it's, uh, so there you go. <laughs> you heard it here first. That was Brian Reed. Look out for uh, those books he mentioned, plus Im- uh, an upcoming announcement from Image Comics this summer. Thanks, Brian. You, thank you, Matt. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Whoa. <laughs> You know, there was an interesting question at the panel at Emerald City where where someone came up and asked a question about introducing, now that this sort of new precedent has been set at Marvel with the uh, end of Civil War and the initiative, are we going to see now an influx of new characters? And all the, all the writers on the panel said, well, you know, we're going to try to interject them in, but, you know, that's all we can do because, you know, they may they may last for 12 issues you know, but most of the time they don't go away. And they made the statement is, when's the last new character that really took hold of the Marvel Universe prior to the early 70s? It's like Wolverine is really the only new character that has... Well, like, yeah. Well, you could you could argue Genis, but he was nowhere near as popular as Wolverine. So, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess so. You know, so, so they're going to introduce new characters, but who knows if they're going to hold or not? See, talk about how old I am. I was going to say Nova. <laughs> I know. I know that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking Nova, but yeah, you're right. And you know what just hit me? When you were saying new characters, I was thinking, okay, what new characters were exciting and uh, should be around more? And I immediately thought of Gravity. You know, wah, wah, wah. But, <laughs> da- David, you are going to love McDuffie's first regular issue of Fantastic Four because the Beyond is not over yet. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. It's really cool. 
<laughs> and there's guest stars that appeared in the Beyond in the Fantastic Four. It's really Sweet. cool. Sweet. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be all over it. I know you. Another new book. Here's a new team. Speaking of new teams, the Loners, written by the awesome C.B. Sobolski. Covers by Jason Pearson. With art by Carl Moline. I'll take that. Yeah. I'm no fan of Jason Pearson. Oh, dude, I don't know you anymore. No. His body bags was yep. fr- freaking disturbing. The guy's got... Oh, my God. You're, oh, the oh guy's my. got skill, and he's got chops, but, you know, I draw the line at a guy sticking a knife in a pregnant woman's belly. I don't care if she's a crack hoe or, you know, no. I that's I read that, and I said, you know what? That's the last issue of this I'm going to buy. That's just disturbing, man. It okay. is. All right. All right. <laughs> Don't you? Th- and I, I'll agree with you. The guy is very, very talented at what he does. He's He's got, uh, you know, I see Michael Golden in his work. Yes. But I'm not going to read that shit. No, thanks. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Panda had a nice set of jugs on her. And and I really appreciated the little cheerleader outfit and stuff and the okay. and the and the crotch We're shots. Talk about it though. But it's no, okay. no, sticking. No, it's all right. Hey, Runaways, written by newcomer Joss Whedon. What's this guy done? Oh man, you know, a newbie. How beautiful is that cover with the uh, light trails on old Lace's eyes? That's brilliant. It's a nice touch. Yeah, finally got caught up on Runaways. In anticipation of Joss Whedon's run, I I finished off all the digests. I have the second volume hardcover to crack open, which oh. hopefully I'll hopefully I'll finish before the third one comes out. What a great um, series! It was fun. The first volume was was phenomenal. It was great stuff. It should be top ten. Definitely should have been top ten. The series overall. Or? Oh yeah, it should sell much more than it did. There there should never have been a danger of that book going away. You gloss over Omega Flight. Did I gloss over an Omega Flight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's go back. Omega Flight. <laughs> with, a, with a crying guardian. I remember when he was, you know, the guy in the costume was called Vindicator, but, you know. Right. Uh, and his, then his stupid wife had to enter the room and he blew up. His stupid wife. <laughs> Heather. Mac? Heather. Boom. It's like, great. Good, good, good timing, woman. Don't blame Burn. <laughs> he wrote it. <laughs> no, Heather this came to him in a dream and said, "Here's how to do it, John." <laughs> hey, you know, however he wants to come. Uh, someone had to come into his sleep when they told him to do Wonder Woman. Who? The, uh, who is this Guardian? Do we know? Wasn't he uh, in the initiative? I didn't read it yet. I think he is the. Uh, oh, the person they call who killed from the, the Alpha Flight or something. No. Yes. Yes. It's it's, n- it's that character. It's not Mac. No, no, Good. it's not Mac. Good, because Heather killed him. Well, he's been back. I know. Yeah, but good. I'm glad it's not him. That would be not good. Michael is, I think, the character's name. Cool. I if love you read Scott Collins. The initiative. He'll, uh, he's in there. The 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 Ellis Bendis Silvestri. Oh, shot. I have yet to get to that. Because okay. yeah, it's a, it's in my box too. I just yeah. I, I, I haven't opened up anything I got yet. So DCBS came Friday. First thing I read, McDuffie's Fantastic Four. Yeah, mine came today. So the first and thing I'll read will probably be there also. Yeah, and I got Winter Soldier hardcover volume one. I put that on the back burner for McDuffie's Fantastic <laughs> Four. You have. I can't wait till you get to the last story in that man. I love Fantastic Four. 
No, I I know. Yeah, I know. always will. This, well, I mean, it's a shame it's not the flagship, but the um, the getting back to the <laughs> little dig, little dig. Getting back to the. I, I have this mental image the, of these little scrubbing <laughs> bubbles coming out with the little mustaches, just erasing what David just said. <laughs> now they're going of away. Course, of course, because you can't, you can't, you can't hang with it, man. You can't deal. So the <laughs> when you get to the John Paul Leone storyline that Winter Soldiers, mm-hmm. PM me, send me an email. Okay, I want to know. What you're doing when you're reading it? Now like, this this is issues one to seven. It, this should be either issue six or seven. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, um, but the it's a great book. Mm. The, I'm I'm turgid with anticipation. Of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> the Fantastic Four, like we were talking about, five forty three before. Great setup, and with five forty four all set for me to read. I can't uh, I can't wait to see what he's doing with this first full issue but um and i love the way johnny kept telling stan to shut up <laughs> like who is this loser get him out of here oh it's that stan guy again <laughs> yeah oh, my God. and he doing and then he goes to make himself the hero and and they and did mention jack yes they did which was awesome yes they did there, there never should be a fantastic four anniversary issue that does not hell i w- wish they did it every issue but that would be excessive but at least an anniversary issue, and they mentioned Jack, and there was a letter from Lisa Kirby. Yep, on, on the uh, the letters pages, which all was all um, professional creators. Ringo, Tom yeah. Falco, Ringo. Ah, I love Tom DeFalco. God bless him. Great writer, lousy editor in chief. I agree. The Silent War concludes with the June solicitations. Oh, back it up, buddy. Just one page. Let's do a little bit of investigation. Look at what She Hulk's reading. Yep. Who are we going to see? I mean, it. it yeah, okay, it would. Wait, let me. It would be perfect because Howard appeared in the previous She-Hulk run, and he he also appeared in the oh, burn in the uh, human. Okay. when Gerber was writing it. You know, Gerber's couple issues of, of She-Hulk, Howard was in there one or one issue or two. But look at the uh, bottom of the solicitation. Bigger returns, bigger reveals, <laughs> and the biggest surprise yes. of all, all this and a giant-sized man thing. That should, that, that, that should uh, be Vince's new signature online. They're listening to you, Vince. I know. God <laughs> God bless you, Dan Slott. We have uh, Comcast on demand, and they have a bunch of free movies. So one night I was bored. It wasn't a night we were recording. There wasn't any books to read. It was one of those weeks where I finished everything. So I popped on the on-demand Howard the Duck was a choice. So I watched it and, you know, say what you will about that movie. Not the greatest movie ever made, but Get out. I believe and I will argue this point with anyone in terms of comic book movies and how close they come to capturing the source material, Howard the Duck is the greatest comic book movie ever made. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's not, you know, it's technically, it's not a great movie, but if you go blow by blow, Scene by scene, anyone who saw the Howard the Duck movie that picked up one of Gerber's magazines would say, yeah, I could see that. It's it's exactly like the comics, give or take. You can't say that about Daredevil, you know, yeah. even Spider-Man. It, there's, a, there's a world of difference between the Spider-Man movies and the comics, but Howard the Duck, very close to the... To well, the it might have had the feel for it, but it sure as hell didn't look that great. No, you're right, it didn't. In, in fact, the best scene is when Leah Thompson is 
arched over the bed with her ass. Yes. I, I love that scene. But, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, That's the one scene that's burned into my mind. On, honest to God. That, in terms of quirky characters and wacky plot lines and just the sardonic humor, the movie captures the comics. It ain't a great movie, but... It's the I haven't best. seen it for a long, long time. Yeah, same thing here. I just put it on just for the hell of it. And I was like, you know, not as bad as I remember it being. <laughs> hey, this is Chris Irving from Tomorrow's Productions, known as the Beetle Boy, writer of the Blue Beetle Companion. And I'm here at Emerald City Con, surrounded by fanboys. Not a pretty sight. Talk to you later. There we go. Okay, David, what about the Silent War? Oh, hold on, hold on, guys. We got to go back to the Punisher War Journal. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw him. I don't mind that costume at all. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Oh yeah. When was the last time you saw a swastika on a comic book? <laughs> Not in a long time. A Marvel comic book. Yeah, Not a long time. I think there should be more of it. You know, because it pisses people off. You know what well, I'm saying? Leave it, to, leave it to Fraction. That's right. And who is this guy? This is the hate monger, right? Hate monger, hate monger. yep. I liked, no him, monger. I liked him better with the cone, you know, the, the cone head, but that's okay. It still works. And that costume, that's, I don't know, it's, it's attractive. It's flattering. Sexy. <laughs> it's flattering. <laughs> there, there's, it's, it's not very flattering in the crotchal region. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back to the. I'm taking it back to the pants store. <laughs> it's, it's an optical illusion. Mister Castle, you have an enormous erection. <laughs> Do I? Oh, I. Uh... It's the pleats. It's the It's the pattern. And yes, it's the pleats. It's the plaid. Pattern. Poop mouth. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, yeah, Punisher War Journal. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, you know, Ariel Olivetti, I don't think, can get any better. That's some, some fine brushwork. Yep. Yeah, and it's and it's it's all like, you know, the perspective is really good. You, I mean, you, they're all on the same plane. It's not like, you know, one person seems to be, you know, off in distance and, and like, it's just it, it just it looks good. It's it's pleasing to the eye. It's yeah. it's a neat neat little. Well, I don't even want to call it a pose, but I mean, the two of them beating the crap out of each other look, looks good. And he has the smarts to put a holding line around his image in a complementary color, which makes him pop. See the orange line around them? Mm-hmm. That that yep. just makes those figures pop against the blue. The guy's brilliant. I see a lot of Kev Walker in his work. Kev Walker does a lot of uh, paintings for Magic Cards and, and the uh, Black Library Warhammer 40K stuff. He's great, and so is Ariel Olivetti. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, okay, that just completely lost me. And while uh, you know, you're know you going on about Warhammer and Kev Walker's resume, I figured, well, let me see what's going on in our little uh, our little corner of, of the, the interweb. And, uh, yeah, don't uh, pay attention to what Vince is saying. He never does that, anyway. Why do that now? <laughs> That's okay. Shit, 25 episodes strong. And, so anyway, I decided to go check out our little section, uh, com, like, like Vince said earlier. And um, I went to the episode 25 thread that Vince started. Yep. And um, there was a post just very recently added to the end of that thread. And it's from, uh, it's from our man of the hour, Singe. Who has 122 karma points. 
Go Cinchy. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. <laughs> He's awesome. For those who don't visit the forum, Cinch is our Canadian brother, and I really want to get him on the show. So I started the thread saying, you know, let's show Cinch how much. We love him and, you know, give him some karma. Maybe he'll see, hey, these guys are serious. I'll come on the show. Well, the guy, he has 122 karma points. The highest of all the forum members, Miguel, who is organic matter, has 96, and he had the highest. And since just blew by him, which is cool. But uh, since says... (laughs) (laughs) Since says, Vince is waiting for me. Die with the smiley face. <laughs> Will I call or won't I? I'm such a bastard tease. Vince's panties keep getting I na bunch. <laughs> hey, can you call the buzz line from a regular phone? What's with all that code ampersand pin crap? With he put an asterisk at the end of crap. We can say crap on the forum, Cinch. Well, you know what, though? What's interesting is that he'll censor himself when saying crap. But if you go ahead and check out his newly started thread about being the only British Columbia native at the forum. Yeah. Am I the only one in B.C. here? If you're talking, you know, B.C. as in before Christ. Yeah, you're the only one. (laughs) (laughs) And and since says the fuck is up with that. So so we'll censor crap, but we will. okay, we're printing out fuck. You know, Cinch has—he's uh, mastered onomatopoeia in, in, the, in the way he—in the way he writes. Anyways, there's shitload of s's on the end of it. Trying to search Google to see if there are any actual little comic cons around BC at all, but coming up with Natch. The fuck, Natch. One would think, uh, yes. One would th- <laughs> well, maybe in Cinch speak, it means something else. <laughs> One would think a place like Vancouver would have something. They do have something. They have You're supposed cinch. to say something with, with, with emphasis because it's an exclamation mark. The fuck is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, Cinch. Uh, we and, love you, buddy. And if you want to hear Cinch on our show, send us Call an email. Buzz line. Call the buzz line. What's the buzz line number? The it's buzz line is 1-888-654-2278. Once again, one Eight 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 six five four two two seven eight. Code number is code number two eight five seven three six two eight five five. That's code two eight five seven three six two eight five five. The pin is very easy to remember. The pin number is five 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 five. After you've left your message, press two to save it. Get on the buzz line. Tell us you want to hear Cinch on bullpen bulletins. And I'm challenging him. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> Je- Jefferson's throwing the. He has slapped your Canadian face with the glove. How about that? He's from our part of the woods. Get on the show. And I can't believe he didn't come up to you at the convention. Uh, I can't believe it either. Anybody, I don't think. No. Pat and I were both looking for him. Yeah, see? see. Well, (laughs) I think Pat was looking for him for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) I love his posts. I want him on the show. Me too. Maybe I'll have the night off. I will bust. I send him PMs every day. Send me your phone number. Phone (laughs) number. Send it. You know? a phone. Well, that's... They they (laughs) use tin cans and... (laughs) It's Canada. He, he lives up where there's like no indoor plumbing and shit. I yeah, mean, come on. yeah, they eat their own shit up in Canada because <laughs> <laughs> the there's, that's, well, that's very healthy, they claim. 
I, they claim just the Canadians or yeah, in general? Just, I don't know. I'm not drinking just, piss. No thanks. There was that one time. No, no golden showers. No. Just that one time. <laughs> he, he was a big guy. And he told me he wouldn't, but he did. There's <laughs> blood in it. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of blood and urine, Planet Hall card cover. You'll be pissing your pants if he's coming after you. 392 glorious pages of amazing Greg Pak story. Beautiful Carlo Paglion, Aaron Lopresti, Juan Santa Cruz, Gary Frank. Gary Frank art. Gary Frank is the man on the Hulk, baby. I just don't understand their choice of cover art. Oh, it's like, dude, what the hell did he have to do with the series? Right. Well, he did the variant cover of 100. And that's the, the image they chose for the for the cover of this. When Ladron has been on the book since the very beginning of the storyline and has created some amazing covers. And I think the cover depicted in this solicitation should have been the cover of this book. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, I agree. No, it's it, great. And it, and it doesn't ruin anything. It's not cluing you in as to what's going to happen. You know, it's just a nice image. It collects... Um, see, the thing about this, which is really cool, and I have all the Planet Hulk issues, but I'm buying this anyway because I did not buy Amazing Fantasy. And I want that Mastermind Excello story. So, they got me. And I was really, really impressed with Carlo's work on those on, on, the, on the opening arc Hell yeah. of Planet Hulk. Yep. I thought I, he did a fantastic job on the Hulk. He did a great Silver Surfer, but he he was... Slamming. Who did have his head handed to him by the Hulk, by the way. Damn Skippy, he did. You betcha. And, you know, one of the things I think they... The one misstep, I think, with this collection is, and David knows what I'm going to say, the book should have the guidebook in it. The Gladiator guidebook should be a part of this because the wealth of information in that book will only increase your enjoyment of the main storyline. Why is it not in here? Well... Because it would probably increase the page count by 48 pages, and then it would be a $50 hardcover instead of a $40. But I think it should be in there. Well, if it's going to help the story. Oh, my God. It hel- you, do you have the handbook? No, no, because I, I was waiting for the hardback on this, on yeah, this collection. The so. maps and diagrams and scholarly dissertations on the various life forms that are inhabiting the planet and and how they evolved and where they came from and where they migrated to it's nuts the amount of information that, that's in it that would thing. have been and it would have been great from a from a, a completist or fanboy point of view but i don't know if something like that translates well into a hardback book I, you don't want it to make it feel like a textbook it is a comic book but and like i said Could've, we would love it we would love to have it i would love to see the um the old official handbook of the Marvel Universe is in a nice, sturdy, hardback type yeah. book. But yeah. I, I just, I, maybe they were just like, maybe you're right with the increasing the page count, or maybe they just said, you know what, we just want words and pictures in this book. You know, leave the tiny text out. Me am loving words and pictures. No, Te- no itty bitty. Yeah, well, there is. There's a lot of itty bitty text in it. Yeah, maybe. You're right. I don't know, but... Well, they could have stuck it in the back like they do with, like, you know, in the hardbacks they have, like, the sketches. With the sketches and, and the yeah. scripts. And the, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love sketches as much as the other, the next guy, but if it's a, a toss-up between sketches or text that, you know, gives you a little bit of insight into the story, mm-hmm. I'll take the text any day. Text, baby. That's right. Because you, you can read. You read good. I try. <laughs> I try. But anyway, you slice it. It's a no-brainer. If there's only one thing you get in this whole 
previous catalog, you got to get the Planet Hulk, which doesn't make sense because then you'd have to get all the World War Hulk. So get them all. If it's got Hulk on it, get it. Otherwise, you're on your own. I have. <laughs> I, I no love you no more. One more recommendation. Do it. The Marvel Adventures Avengers Volume Two Digest. Yeah. Parker is back on the issues, and you can't beat him. Oh, another thing I wanted to thank Jefferson for. Speaking of Jeff Parker, was the phone calls we received on the Buzz Line, which you probably already heard by this point. But uh, yeah, thank you, Jefferson. That was very nice okay. of you to do that. I'm just your bitch working the show. Hey, you know I'll take anything I can get. I think you're cute. <laughs> did you? Uh, did you come? I'm up part of us? your street team. Yeah, oh, I got a right, posse. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> did you uh, see any of the um, any of our business cards that? Uh... No, I didn't. Oh. Uh, you know, I did. Uh, Pat had some, right? Cinch. Pat had some, and Cinch uh, had some. Yeah. No. Well, I didn't see uh, Cinch. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That was well, probably. He was going to leave some over by the crapper. Uh, and and I and, I know when I had gotten to Bendis already, Pat had talked to him. Okay. Uh, and. Uh, since said he I, talked to him too since before. since yeah. probably rolled him up and put him in the middle of that <laughs> roll of quarters and and you know put quotes around quarters <laughs> use him, use him as knuckles yeah. but you know we have to thank those guys for uh you know doing that for us too thanks to Pat again for that wonderful uh audio you heard littered throughout this episode Woo-hoo. Pat's the man he thanks is. guys he's got a heart of gold so uh, yes Marvel Adventures. Avengers Volume Three. How could you say no to Modok? A little tiny Spidey Modok and Hulk Modok, and actually Storm's looking pretty good as Modok. Those lips, that's all right. Yeah, right there. <laughs> you did that to me. You know, it's a little expensive for a digest. Ninety-six pages for six ninety-nine. The the digests usually run more than that. It's only four. Yeah. It's only four issues. So yeah, it's only four issues. But still, it's worth it. What, yep. with DCBS, you probably get it for three bucks and change. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's going to be the price of a regular comic in eight months. <laughs> so there you go. See, I'm bu- I'm bookending. I'm, so saith Vince. I'm thematic. We're 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 doing conceptual continuity here. All right. Well, that's it, boys. Let's uh, put this one to sleep. Jefferson, as always, thank you very much for being oh, with us. Thank you guys for the invite. Thanks, buddy. I and love being here. My buddy David and, and for me, we had, I had a great time. Tom Caters? Yeah, we forget about Tom. Well, he's you never up. forget about Tom. No, I don't forget about him. I just you know, he's upscale. He doesn't need our thanks. That's true. Yeah, you know he's a little bit of you know, frow frow, a little hoity toity. He gets the royalty checks, so more power to him. Bye. Well, I had <laughs> <laughs> so join us next time when David and I are going to dip into the old DCBS box, pull some stuff out, and probably talk about books we haven't talked about before. You know, spread the love love around. Bye! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jefferson's got to go. Jefferson's going to go... go (laughs) Jefferson's going to go take his medication. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening. Night, night. Holy crap. (laughs) Bye-bye.